I'm David Scandura. I'm Justice Burkett. And we're here to find out if Ip Man is the greatest movie ever made. Welcome to The Greatest Movie Ever Made, the show where we watch a movie and tell you if it's the greatest movie ever made. Yeah. A sh- movie that is, uh, you know what, I, sh- I should just drop the the thing. No, do the thing. I'll do the thing. A uh, movie that is so thoroughly entertaining and compelling that while you're watching it, it's the only thing that matters in this world. That's right. That is the description of the podcast that you are listening to. And I guess I have to do that from now until the end of time. Yeah. I mean, I if you want to not do it, you don't. Uh, I like you don't have to do it, but I think it helps if someone if this is if if for some reason someone is just discovering this podcast and the first episode that they decided to listen to, they're like, huh, Ip Man, that Hong Kong action movie from 2008 starring Donnie Yen. I want this to be my first episode of this podcast. I feel like you doing the full intro about like what we mean about greatest movie ever made is is helpful because it, it lets them understand uh, the, the the premise of the show. I don't, I don't know. But, like, uh, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm Davis Gandura, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and grandmaster of Wing Chung, Justice Burkett. I thought you were going to call me one of the one of the filthy street toughs, or, like, maybe one of those, like, coal miner guys. But I got the, I got the title of grandmaster. I did nothing to earn this. <laughs> you've, you've upgraded from all of the insulting ones that I've given to you in the past. That's nice. It's nice that you picked a nice one for me this week, <laughs> um, which is uh, totally, like, not deserved based on how insufferable I was off mic before this record started. <laughs> I was insufferable, too. Yeah, we were both being very annoying, and the it, podmaster was having to deal with it. It's a miracle that she's still in the room with us and <laughs> she's editing an audiobook she's not going to be paying attention to any of this has not deleted the entire podcast <laughs> she has the power if she ever wants to if the show ever just disappears from the internet just know that the podmaster had enough and also check the newspapers to see if i've been uh if i've mysteriously gone missing because she might have murdered me too <laughs> Um, how you doing justice i'm doing well david i uh i've you know i've had i've still been busy um like we were we've been talking about in the last couple episodes how busy our schedules have been i've still been busy um thankfully a couple things that i'm working on are like wrapping up soon so i am just looking forward to the end of this year when all i have to focus on is basically my day job and all of the other various obligations uh kind of get to take a rest for a little bit um, I'm so I'm like the light at the end of the tunnel is near and I'm working toward that. Um, obviously the podcast will not be taking a rest, uh, through the end of the year. We're going to continue recording and releasing episodes, but that's not an obligation. That's fun for me. So, um, yeah, so I'm doing well. Uh, there's not really anything exciting going on, uh, for me to talk about. Um, this episode is releasing after Halloween. We're recording it before Halloween. So obviously I'm still looking forward to the holiday. Like I was mentioning on all of our horrorthon episodes, um, but yeah, you know, um, just kind of taking it one day at a time, man. <laughs> and, um, yeah, as far as like stuff that I've been enjoying in, in media this week, we probably have a similar thing to call out here because we went and saw Killers of the Flower Moon. Big Marty, Big Marty. is back, motherfucker. He's done it again. Really, really good movie. I'll let you kind of go through your thoughts on it if you plan to say anything about Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, uh, but just from my perspective, fantastic movie uh just a a masterpiece really um and 
Um, not a good time. So if you're planning on going to see it, um, which I recommend that you do, I think everybody should see this movie. I think it's an important film um, that deals with an important story um, and it's very well told. Um, but not a, not a good or fun time at the movies. <laughs> it's going to make you feel bad and going to make you think a lot about a lot of hard things. Um, so just know that, uh, going into it, if you haven't seen it yet, but, uh, if you haven't seen it, yeah, I recommend that you do. I thought it was, um, amazing. And I just, uh, want to, um, say that everybody in that movie was fantastic, but man, what a powerhouse performance from Lily Gladstone in that movie. Like some of the best acting I have seen on screen in the last like decade like she she really rocks that performance it's um it's astounding work from her yeah i think i think it will be uh there will be riots in the streets if she is not up for an academy award this year yeah i don't know what else is going to be nominated in terms of like best actress performances but she should at least be in the in the running if not win you know she's so she's transcendent in that in that movie the, the performance is so subtle um, it's so, um, like studied and so like naturalistic at the same time. It's just, it is, uh, just really, really good work from, from someone who I haven't, uh, seen before in anything. I, I think, I don't think I've seen any of her other films. Um, so I was just like blown away. Um, it was, uh, yeah, a uh, great film, great performance from her. But, um, anyway, David, my friend, how are you doing? I'm good. I don't have much to report. Um, taking some time off right now from work, which is great and and greatly needed. I don't take enough time off as it is, um, but wanted to save the last few days before Halloween to just watch a bunch of movies. And so I'm taking some time off right now. I just needed to uh, get away from work a bit for a bit and um, relax. So that's been good. Uh, yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon's fucking great. One of the best movies of this year, one of the best movies of Martin Scorsese's incredible career, um, and, and like a lot of Martin Scorsese for mo- movies, for me at least, I don't feel like I've gotten a hundred percent of what the movie has to offer on the first viewing, and it leaves me with a lot of things to think about and ruminate on, ruminate on before I watch it again. Um, highly, highly recommend it. Um, there's been a lot of, I, I would say, uh, worthless and negative discourse about this movie from various, uh, morons, nerds, (laughs) nerds and virgins on the, on the internet about, oh, it's too long and how they don't emotionally connect to it. And I, I, I think those people don't know how to watch movies, frankly. Um, if you are a fan of cinema, if you are a fan of Martin Scorsese obviously watch it um but a a powerful uh complex and haunting story of of the depravity and the depths that uh humans will sink to in order to oppress each other yeah with incredible performances um from Lily Gladstone De Niro as well and Leonardo DiCaprio bringing like one of the best performances of his career. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I think it's the best I've ever seen him. I, I really uh, thought that he, he nailed it in, in this film and in this role um, brought a lot of complexity to a character that otherwise um, may have sort of been uh, kind of one note 
I think his performance does a, does a lot to um just to increase the amount of um like pathos that that character has uh even though and you know I'm not going to like spoil anything that happens in the movie but even though he's doing some pretty reprehensible things you as an audience member are always kind of comp- have it, have a complicated relationship with how you feel about him and I think a lot of that is down to Leo's uh performance so yeah yeah I'd agree and um uh n- not not just uh I wanted to mention the supporting players here like tons of great bit parts from character actors and first time actors and even like uh, there's some country musicians in the movie those of you who have listened to the podcast before might be aware that we're big fans of characters that look like they smell like shit <laughs> yeah tons of those in this fucking movie and yes. they're all great yes yeah uh the killers of the flower moon is full of shit monsters it's true <laughs> um yeah no and uh yeah jesse plemons also does a great job jesse plemons is yeah. so good uh, when, when we were watching breaking bad the first time we ever the podmaster and i the first time we ever saw uh jesse plemons was in in breaking bad as todd in that show and then the next time we saw him was i think in season two of the fargo tv show and he had he he went through some some physical changes between those two roles yeah and um we didn't realize that it was the same guy and the podmaster and i started calling the guy in fargo who we didn't realize was jesse plemons the same actor from breaking bad we started calling him fat todd <laughs> referencing his character from breaking bad and then eventually we learned that it's the same guy and he had, he had just gained some weight which is fine it's okay to gain some weight um and he wears it well but uh it was just very funny uh that we were like oh yeah that guy he looks like a fat version of todd and we just called him fat todd and then we were like oh wait no that's it it, it, it is todd from breaking bad it's the same guy yeah uh great fucking movie so good please go see it I've also watched The Exorcist 3 recently, which kicks ass. Uh, You don't have to have seen The Original Exorcist. But if you are a fan of The Original Exorcist, it's very different. But um, I think the references to The Original Exorcist are really well done and well handled, despite the various studio meddling that is present in the film and and affects some of the enjoyment there. Uh, George C. Scott fucking bellowing his way through this performance is uh, incredible. I love George C. Scott in a horror movie. Yeah, he didn't do that many. No, he's also in The Changeling, though, and I fucking love him in that. Um, He's, yeah, he's so good in Exorcist 3. And uh, you don't have to watch Exorcist 2, which is a big piece of shit and, and, and not at all necessary, so skip over that. Um, but Exorcist 3, yeah, good flick. Maybe we'll cover it. I think it would be a fun episode to do. Yeah, I've never seen that one. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie, Exorcist 3. Uh, just just a little little fun fact for you there. Yeah, I read he used to uh, show it to people before he killed them. Yeah, or sometimes while he was like doing uh, torture and murder to them, he would just have the Exorcist 3 on. Um, there was an account from one of his the guys who survived where he was like, yeah, while well, he was like doing all this crazy shit to me, like drilling a hole in my skull or whatever, he was uh, watching The Exorcist 3. No? Podmaster shaking her head. I might have just said something that's not true about Jeffrey Dahmer. Sorry about that. Apologies to the Dahmer estate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to defame Jeffrey Dahmer. Um... <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize winner, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> uh we're not just to be clear we're not fans of jeffrey dahmer here (laughs) 
<laughs> um wait we uh we strong denounce in the strongest terms the the crimes of jeffrey uh jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> justice let's put the podcast in reverse and back way out of this uh this pit this pit before we fall any further down into it <laughs> um yeah that's probably we watched a movie yes yes we watched a movie for this episode uh which is not one of jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movies because he was already dead when it came out <laughs> we turned on the microphones today with the intention of talking about it, it was it came out in 2008 <laughs> yeah sorry the podmaster was not sure that i was correct about that apologies continue david yeah we turn on the microphones today surprisingly with the intention of talking about a movie not jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Um, the 2008 Hong Kong action flick Ip Man, directed by Wilson Yip, and starring Donnie Yen. Yes, Donnie Yen. Uh, Donnie motherfucking Yen. Yeah. Um, I'm only really familiar with him from his Western stuff, like uh, Star Wars Rogue One, and recently John Wick Four. Yeah, same. Um, but you've seen this movie before. This was your pick. Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about it. Yeah, so this movie, I so first of all, Ip Man is a franchise. I think there's like five of these things. Um, I've only seen this first one, the one that we're talking about today. I haven't seen any of the sequels. But basically the way that I was introduced to this movie is when I was in my like uh, early to mid-teens, um, my dad was getting a, a business degree uh, to be like a consultant. Um, and he was doing a lot of international travel um, for work, um, or he he later ended up doing a lot of international travel for work. But to prepare for that, right, he um, started taking Chinese classes, um, Chinese language courses um, to learn how to speak. I believe he was learning Mandarin Chinese because um, there's a couple dialects. Um, but he uh, so he was learning Chinese. And as part of learning Chinese, he just got really into watching Chinese language films um, because, first of all, he he was sort of enjoying immersing himself um, in some of the art and culture of China. He was also listening to like a lot of Chinese music at the time um, and stuff like that, but uh, also just to help him learn the language, like help with his his language learning. He would just watch Chinese language films. Um, and as a result, I just ended up seeing a lot of of Chinese movies. <laughs> um, mostly they would actually, my parents would actually watch Chinese like dramas um, and like historical epics um, and not a lot of martial arts or action films. Um, although there were some sprinkled in there. I think I remember seeing a lot of Chinese language, um, Jackie Chan starring uh, action comedies. Um, so I've seen a few of those, um, but uh, Ip Man is really the only like, kung fu movie that i can remember um them uh watching during that phase of like my dad kind of um just renting and watching like a ton of of chinese cinema um while he was like learning learning mandarin <laughs> so um but this one left a really big impression on me um a lot of the movies that i saw during that period like i i would struggle to even remember which ones i've seen you know um if man i remembered really really well um, because this movie, yeah, left left a huge impression. And I think I saw it at a time when this movie hit really hard for me, which is like when I was like, I don't know, 15 or something. This is very much a movie that like a 15-year-old is going to be like really jazzed about because it's like Donnie Yen just being the coolest, most upstanding uh, hero guy, right, in the world and just kicking ass throughout this entire movie. Um, and that's what I remembered about it. And And when I revisited it for this pod record, it it lived up to my memory in that regard, right? <laughs> it is a lot of Donnie Yen just being, being, 
being an absolute badass and being a cool dude and being like a good guy, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of my history with it. I haven't revisited it since then. Um, but yeah, left a big impression and I wanted to, uh, to watch it again and talk about it for the show. So, yeah, I think it was a great suggestion. Um, Asian cinema in general, whether it be from China or Japan is a huge blind spot for me. I've seen, you know, a few action flicks from, from John Woo. I've seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, over uh, in Japan, I've seen some Akira Kurosawa. But in general, it's a uh, Asian, Asian culture in general, whether it be music or um, literature or comics or, or movies is just a huge blind spot for me. And so, yeah, I um, think I'm more or less in the same boat. Like I know I just talked about a little bit of my history with like Chinese cinema, but that was like a pretty brief, that was a, a brief few years in my life. And this hasn't been like a, a, a dominant part of the media that I consume um, either. So I would, I would say I'm sort of in the same boat where like um, uh, arts, arts and culture uh, from, um, from Asian countries is not something that I am a, an aficionado of, right? Um, I'm I'm definitely just sort of barely dipping my toe in there. Um, I listen to a lot of like Chinese uh, and Japanese black metal, um, but that's the only other thing that I have done really a deep dive on. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm still very surface level with with Asian art in general as well. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Jackie Chan and. I can't think of a Jackie Chan movie I've I've seen. Oh, okay. I I I don't. I think I saw his American movie, The Tuxedo, when I was a kid in theaters, and I remember precisely nothing about it because it wasn't very good. Um, but Jackie Chan's a huge, and he has like two hundred movies or something. Yeah, very prolific. Um, and I will say that is one area where I am um like pretty. Uh, different than you i've seen a bunch of jackie chan movies um but not in a long time i'm probably it's probably been 10 years since i saw a jackie chan film but um i definitely have seen like i've seen uh uh like some of his western films as well like uh the karate kid remake and like um rush hour and stuff um and drunken master and stuff but i've also seen a few of his like um his hong kong films as well so yeah yeah and and donnie yen has kind of recently broken through to western audiences so i'm i'm familiar with some of that stuff yeah so we're both we're both kind of new to this um we're not purporting to be experts and we're certainly not purporting to be experts on the war that serves as a backdrop for this movie and the political implications inherent in this movie yes um, um unlike unlike rambo i don't think we're gonna do as much on the actual real world conflict that is the backdrop of this film but it is the backdrop of this movie is the second Sino-Japanese War, and yeah, David and I don't know shit about the second Sino-Japanese War. We we are are not experts on it. We're we're also not uh, we don't speak uh, Chinese either, so our pronunciations of places and character names is going to be our best. Oh case. yeah, brace yourselves for that for this whole episode. Yeah, we're a couple of white guys who uh, only speak English, so you know, uh, bear with us, and we're sorry to everybody in advance. <laughs> Um, I'll get into some of the creatives involved here. We'll talk about, uh, we talked about Donnie Yen a little bit. I'll get to him in a second. Uh, Wilson Yip, who is a prolific writer, director, and actor from Hong Kong who wrote and directed this film. His career starts in the 90s. I think he's most well-known for Ip Man. Like, Ip Man has had the most crossover to Western audiences that I think his films have had. 
Um, but he's also directed the SPL series and the movie Flashpoint, which both star Donnie Yen. He's worked with Donnie Yen a bunch. Um, and he's been nominated f- and, and, and won several Hong Kong Film Awards. Um, so definitely a respected creative in the Hong Kong film industry. And uh, Donnie Yen as well, who uh, he is an actor, action director, lifelong martial artist, and recently a politician. Oh, really? Yes, he is part of uh, the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, representing the Literature and Arts Center of the uh, of of that body. Huh. And he replaced Jackie Chan. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, he was like recently elected or or appointed to that position in March 2023. Oh. I didn't look into it too much because then the podcast would be about Chinese communism. <laughs> yeah, we also don't uh, purport to know anything about uh, the politics of the Republic of People's Republic of China. <laughs> um, he's had a long career in, in China, including the Once Upon a Time in China series, which I've heard of before. Um, a, a huge, long-running, long-running series of films there. Also a star of uh, Zhang Yimou's Hero, which which had a bit of a run over here. Hero is another one of the ones that uh, that I definitely remember seeing during that that period in my in my teens when my when my dad was uh, taking his Chinese courses. I yeah. watched Hero a few times. Yeah, I think it's sitting on my shelf right now. It's, it's good. One, it's one that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, you should watch it. It's good. Um, and he he's worked as a action choreographer over here in the U.S. He worked on Blade Two and Highlander Endgame. Which I haven't seen, uh, but you know, is that the the third Highlander? I so many. I've only seen the first one. There's yeah, so many yeah. uh, that no one cares about. Um, and he popularized the, the I think the Ip Man series kind of led to the popularization of Wing Chun, the martial art Wing Chun in in um, China and Hong Kong. Um, but he's well versed in many. And he's, like I said, he's kind of recently broken through to the U.S. a little bit more with um, roles in Star Wars Rogue One. He's in John Wick Chapter 4, the best movie of 2023. And he is one of the highlights of that movie. He fucking, Donnie Yen fucking rocks in John Wick Chapter 4. And I watched, I'm watching it, man. I'm like, oh, there are moves in this movie that he's bringing back in John Wick 4. Yeah. I almost think, though... Because you see him do a lot of really cool shit in John Wick Chapter 4. We'll talk about the fights in this movie. I think some of the fighting in this movie, and maybe it's just because it's more of of Donnie Yen doing it, and you don't have, you know, Keanu Reeves uh, to focus on. You see so much of Donnie Yen action in this movie, and I think his shit in this movie is better than his shit in John Wick 4, in spots. There's some really, really rad stuff in here. Yeah, I found it hard to write about the fight teams just because they are so... They're so cool, and I don't. And putting those into words is such a difficult task. Yeah, we'll do our best. But uh, if you, even if you're not planning on watching this movie, you should just Google some of the fight scenes and just watch them on YouTube because the fight scenes are like so worth watching. Even if you're not gonna do like the whole sit down and watch the whole like hour and forty six minute film or whatever. And uh, Ip Man himself was a grandmaster of Wing Chun. Was born in nineteen. Uh, excuse me. 1893. Yeah, yeah. This is, sorry, just to, to very briefly s- give some context for what David is saying. Um, yeah, this this movie is semi-biographical. It's based on, like, a real guy. Yeah. Um, but it's like a fictionalized version of his life. So David's getting into the real guy. Yeah. Uh, Grandmaster of Wing Chun, born in 1893, died in 1972. Uh, known for training Bruce Lee, 
among many other martial artists. Since this movie's come out, there's been kind of an explosion of, of various adaptations of, of Ip Man's life and fictionalized portrayals and stuff like that. This film itself has been in development or was in development since the late 90s with support from Ip Man's sons and his family. Um, it marked the fourth collaboration between Wilson Yip and Donnie Yen. And uh, Donnie Yen said this was a difficult role for him. He like ate one meal a day, trained extensively in, in the martial art of Wing Chun, uh, learned about Ip Man, stayed in character the whole time. This was a, this was a big role for him. And um, it was positively received in China, both critically and the box office, grossing $22 million U.S. worldwide, even though it had no release in North America or Europe. Yeah. Um, no- nominated, won numerous Chinese awards, and it led to the Ip Man series and, of course, all of the, the spinoffs and uh, other Ip Man-related films. Um, and there is a fifth one in development, despite the fact that it seems like Every movie, Donnie Yen says he's not going to come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm not doing this. Every time I think I'm out, they reel me back in. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, the, the reception, the, the very positive reception in China um, may, have a, may have something to do uh, with, with the fact. And this is <clears throat> maybe all the time we need to spend on this element of this film. Because it's not super like heavily present, but it's definitely there. There's a Chinese nationalist streak to this movie. And I think that that might be part of why people were like super jazzed about it (laughs) there. Because it sort of takes the approach to Chinese nationalism that like an American action movie will sometimes take to American nationalism. Right? Where it's like there's sort of like a Chinese exceptionalism thing that the movie sort of tries to convey um, in some ways. And it's, it's essentially like... um being a being a chinese man in this movie sort of the movie kind of has a a finger on the scale saying like that makes you a little bit better than being for example a japanese man you know and and i i think american action films are totally guilty of exactly the same thing yeah you know we're just we're just a little bit numb to it and we don't yeah. We don't recognize it or we don't want to recognize it and call it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think like, I think the movie is, is, is good, but I also think that like a uh, uh, really um, uh, positive reception from a Chinese audience is, is not unexpected considering that this movie uh, is very proud to be Chinese. And I don't think that's like necessarily a bad thing. It's just a thing that you have to like note about the movie and be like, there's definitely a real nationalist streak to this movie. Yeah. You know. And and like we said, we don't necessarily understand the the nuances and the implications of that. So, yeah. Um forgive us if uh we get something wrong or we're idiots, you yes, know. We're just, stupid. <laughs> just just forgive us for being dumb Americans, especially if you live in China and uh, somehow this podcast has reached you. Hey, Thanks for listening. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, if we if we ever have any Chinese listeners, we're we're very glad to have you. And 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 please uh, tell us uh, what we fucked up. But uh, also please continue listening because uh, we love you dearly. But this reminded me a lot of RRR. Yeah, yeah. In in um this kind of framing of both of both of those movies frame these historical figures as inspirations for 
their people and their country. Right. And as almost kind of Ag- like against like oppressive regimes. Yeah. And as almost kind of like a mythic, like demigod like figure yeah. of like resistance and national kind of pride and power. Yeah. Especially in RRR because everything's super heightened in that movie. Yeah. RRR is definitely a bigger offender of the nationalism thing than this movie in my mind. Yeah. And that is also a movie that fucking rules. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, let's let's get into the the flick itself. Yes. So yeah, when we open, um, we essentially open on some uh, title to, or some uh, like opening text, right? Um, that sort of sets the stage, and it basically explains that um, we're in the town of uh, Foshan um, in China. Um, this is in southern China, and um, it's basically a town where. Uh, a lot of renowned martial arts schools are. Um, there's like it, it, these opening uh, cards basically let us know that Foshan has tons of great martial artists teaching there, and that it, it's rena- it's basically renowned throughout China for being a town full of ass kicking badasses. Yeah, the impression that I get is the only thing that happens in this movie is martial arts schools hold demonstrations in like town square of them just <laughs> doing punches. Yes, and that's what we open on. Uh, this, the, There's the, some kind of like festival or something going on where yeah. all the martial arts schools are there, like representing themselves or whatever. Yeah, and we we just see a, a brief, we get a brief introduction to the kind of culture that this this town has. Yeah, and there's this, uh, we see this owl kite, this kite with a design on an owl that will kind of be a recurring symbol throughout the movie. Mm. Um, drifts from town square, and we land over at Ip Man's house, which is a colossal gorgeous mansion i don't know what and i didn't look into the actual i looked into into the the real guy a little bit um if man um the 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 real uh historical character um but i didn't look into what his parents did or or whether this uh extravagant wealth that is shown in the movie was a real thing but it seems like he is like the the son of like royalty or like an oil baron or something cuz his house is a fucking palace yeah especially because later in the movie uh when when it man is is rendered poor and destitute due to the japanese war we get the implication that he's never had a job before. Yes. Yeah. His his wife is basically like, you're going to get a job. Can you do that? Like, are you are you able to work for money? And he's like, well, I've never had to do it before, but I guess I'll have to try. Uh, and I, I read that, like, uh, Ip, Ip Man's sons worked closely on the production of this film. And they I, I saw a little note or something that his actual mansion was a lot more extravagant than the one in this movie. Okay, so he really was. Which I thought like, was a flex. Just super nice fucking flex. rich. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, anyway, so yes, uh, this kite uh, flies into the yard of this um, this absolute palatial estate that he has. Yeah. Right? Uh, and Ip Man is having dinner with his wife and son. Yes. And Master Liu knocks on the door, who's one of the... He, he just opened a martial arts school in town. He wants to train with Ip in in private. Yeah, and, and he's basically telling him he's like everybody says you're the best, so I've come to 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 challenge you to a duel essentially, so that I can see what I can learn from you, right? Yeah, um, it's in the middle of dinner, and and uh, Ip tries to sort of turn him away, but Master Lee is pretty insistent and just just asks if he can wait, wait. And I really like this part where Ip and his family are eating dinner. 
and then Mester Lee is sort of just like sitting awkwardly in the corner. And... He's sitting in the cuck chair watching yeah. them eat dinner. <laughs> but but then Donnie Yen's like, do you want to eat something, bro? Yeah. He's like, have you eaten yet? And he's like, no. And he's like, come eat with us. And and uh, Ip Man's wife does not look thrilled by by him inviting this other martial arts teacher, Master Lu, to the, to the table. Right? She's kind of like, we're having family dinner. And now there's just this other fucking guy like <laughs> sitting here who I know you're going to beat the shit out of in a second. Like she doesn't not seem thrilled. Yeah, it's like the scene in a a, a movie or where um the you know you're like oh this is what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. It's that that arc in Breaking Bad where Jesse doesn't have a house. Oh yeah, and he shows up at his friend's his like his friend's apartment. Yeah, that he used to play in a band with. Yes, but now his friend is like married now. And, yeah, and she's like. It, so he's not staying with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It also, for whatever reason, sort of reminded me of um, the the scene in Seven where Morgan Freeman comes over to have dinner with uh, Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow, right? And it's like there's it, it's like Gwyneth Paltrow's being really nice to him to to Morgan Freeman in that scene, but there's like this weird kind of underlying tension that it's like. But also the thing that has brought us together is like violence <laughs> or whatever. So there's like a weird tension there. And it sort of almost feels similar because it's like, yeah, like this guy's here so that you can beat his ass, <laughs> you know. But first we're all going to like make polite small talk first. But I think it's a good way to establish the type of person that Ip Man is. Yeah. And he, he's very respectful, believes in honor and doesn't see... He doesn't see martial arts as a violent act. No, yeah. He's he's very, like, friendly, very personable. In this first, like, uh, 25 m- minutes or so of the movie before the Japanese invasion, he's also constantly smiling. And Donnie Yen has such a charismatic and disarming smile that it really, really works. He's just all he always looks like he's so happy right um in this first portion of the film um so so yeah he de- he definitely doesn't seem like a like a, a tightly wound or violent person you know yeah um while they're having dinner uh, a character named yuan who's who's a younger a younger guy who's going to show up later in the movie shows up to to retrieve the kite out of the tree that's yeah. been st- like the, that owl kite's been stuck in a tree outside. Yeah, this is his kite. man's house. Been. Yeah. Um, and he's gonna watch the fight through the window. Yes, he's being a little window peeper. <laughs> um, and yeah, they they finish dinner. They have some tea and dessert. It looks like. And and Donnie Yen uh offers Master Lu a cigarette, and Master Lu's like, oh no, no, thank you. And then he fucking lights up like Ip Man just starts smoking a cigarette. So he is eating like a full dinner of like noodles and dumplings and shit and and drinking a bunch of tea and then smoking a cigarette before doing a one on one duel with this other martial arts master, which I was like, man, what a fucking like baller move <laughs> to just be like, oh, yeah, just wait until I'm done with my cigarette and then I'll fucking beat your ass. Uh, but we get to the fight and um, I-, I don't exactly know how to talk about the fights because neither of us are versed in martial arts yeah um so if you if you're here for that you better shut off the show right now yeah um here's basically the best way i can describe what donnie yen does in this fight and throughout this movie he slaps the fuck out of his opponent yeah he gets really really close to them and just slaps and punches them one million times (laughs) yeah um in general 
I think Donnie Yen's movements are very small and precise and powerful. And what we're seeing from a lot of his opponents, what we're seeing in this fight, are big, aggressive uh, swings and punches and kicks. Yeah, and like his opponent will be doing like a, a flying fucking scissor kick or some some shit. And then he counters it with like really kind of small fluid movements. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And in a very precise small dodges where he just kind of casually steps out of the way from this flurry of attacks that his opponent his opponent unleashes. Um and beats his ass. Yeah, he beats Master Lu's ass. I don't think Master Lu lands a single hit in this fight. Uh no one lands a single hit on Donnie Yen in this movie until, until the, the final, final fight. fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so one thing that I wanted to call out that I thought was cool in this fight is because this is a friendly match with like a fellow um, martial arts uh, master, right? He is pulling a lot of punches here. He's like not hitting Master Lu a lot of the times that he has an opportunity to do so. And there's a portion of the fight where Master Lu is attacking him and he like counters, he like blocks the blow and then will go in with a counterattack, and instead of actually hitting Master Liu, he stops his hand before it hits his body and just says, hit, hit, big hit, right? And it's really, really cool and fun. And again, kind of lets you in on the the idea that this character is um, like a more, um, like a more, a more gentle soul, right? Somebody who doesn't just get uh, pleasure from the violence of martial artistry. Um, but is uh, like kind of a spiritual believer in it. Yeah, there's this one point where uh, Master Lu, Lu like hits the hits the wall and uh, kind of like throws his back out, and Donnie Yen stops. He's like, "You okay?" And then they keep going again, which is great. Yeah, which by the way, we do see that um, like big uh, like throw that sends him into the wall. We see that from uh, Yuan's perspective, who's still watching from the tree, being a little window peeper here. Yeah. And he's he reacts how I would react if I saw Den Donnie Yen kicking this guy's ass this hard. He's like, whoa. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dude, same. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, there's also a part where, um, and this is pretty much the end of the fight, I think, where Master Liu like hits the floor. Like he he gets laid out. And then um Donnie Yen is just uh he has this flurry of like lightning fast punches and none of them are landing. He's not actually hitting Master Liu, but he is essentially showing him this is now what I would do if you were an actual opponent who I was trying to neutralize. Yeah, he's right? introducing him to his Street Fighter combo. Yes. Which he will use many times throughout this movie. And it fucking rules it's so cool i i my brain cannot conceive because this is not a digital effect this is donnie yen moving his arms and hands you know this is just a guy doing this his arms move so fucking fast it's crazy it's like this rapid fire flurry of punches and it's it's insane to me that he can move this fast it's so cool yeah, and I remember seeing this move in John Wick 4 a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but it's there are bigger moments with it in this movie. Yeah, it's showcased a lot in this in this movie. Um, and was obviously a reference at that point. Yeah. Yeah, so the fight's basically over at this point, and uh, I like that uh, Donnie Yen says, thanks for going easy on me. Yes, he, it's, yeah. It's not, and it's not like an, uh, I don't, I don't get the sense that he's being 
like a sarcastic. smug asshole. No, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It seems like a very respectful thing. Yeah, yeah. And he he's, again, just smiling that huge, charismatic Donnie Yen smile. And it just seems like he had a great time, you know, uh, sparring with this guy. And yeah, I, lo- I love the thanks for taking it easy on me, Master Luke comment. It's It, it lets you know that he is um, really like a, a good, genial guy, you know? Yeah. Um, we transition to kind of the market business district. Um, Yuan is talking about the fight. Yeah. And, and we should mention that, like, Master Lu made it very clear to Donnie and that, uh, to Man that he wanted this fight to be private. He didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. Um, and they come back to that. So he he says that at the beginning when he comes looking for a fight. And then he says it at the end after he gets his fucking ass laid out. <laughs> by Ip Man. He's like, hey, so about this private duel. And Ip Man's like, don't worry, I'm not going to tell anybody. And he's like, thanks, man. But Yuan's seen the whole thing and he immediately runs to the market. Yeah, to he starts running his it. fucking mouth. Um, <laughs> Being we- like, Master Lu, who's the best martial arts teacher in this school, got his fucking ass rocked <laughs> by I- Ip Man. Yeah, his, his brother Lin is working at the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we're introduced to Lin, who will be an important character as well. We see that owl kite again. In the background, I think I think Yuan like gives it to Lin. Yeah. Um, and Ip shows up to meet with Quan, a, yes. a businessman. Um, and Quan is wanting to open up a cotton mill because Foshan is expanding and wants to bring Ip in on the business. Yeah, he essentially wants uh Ip Ip Man to be a um like a financial partner in this this cotton mill business and by the way Quan is clearly a very very close friend um to Ip Man um to the point where Quan's kid calls Ip Man uncle uncle Ip yeah. right um and they're not actually brothers they're just friends but they're very close friends because his kid is calling him uncle you know um Lin comes into their meeting at one point because it's just it's just upstairs from that that main market floor and Asks about the duel, so it's clear that the rumor's gotten out. Yep. We're cutting from this back and forth with um, Liu finding out at his school from his students that the rumor has started to spread. Yep. Um, Justice, I have mentioned before that I have uh, a crippling brain disease called I've Seen the Room. Yes. <laughs> I have another one. <laughs> yeah. Called I've seen Kung Pao enter the fist. Ah, have you seen Kung Pao enter the fist? I have not. Okay, so I'll admit there. There's a couple Kung Pao enter the fist jokes that I have, or, or references that I've seen <laughs> for those who have seen that um, cinematic masterpiece. Um, the students are training with each other as Leo comes out, and my brain immediately went, "One of us is wearing a push-up bra." <laughs> Which is, I haven't seen the movie, but that's funny. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's a voiceover line from a scene of of kung fu artists training in in that movie. Yeah. Um. So Liu finds out that the rumors have started spreading around and, and uh, shows up to the market. Uh, pretty pissed off. Yeah, he's he's like immediately lost all of his chill. He's like, all my students think I'm a fucking loser. I gotta get my honor back. And um and yeah, so he shows up all kind of in a in a tizzy, right? And um also when when Lin mentions to Ip Man, he's like, Hey, is it true you beat Master Lu? He looks really Ip Man looks really embarrassed. He's basically like, Oh shit, like this is getting out and this is getting around. Like he doesn't really look happy about it. He's just like, ah oh, fuck. Like 
Yeah, because he's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want Master Lu's, like, reputation to be sullied, you know? Um, so, yeah. So, basically what happens here is, like, Master Lu ends up, uh, like, going up to the meeting room where uh, Ip Man is with, with Quan. And following him are, like, all of his students and then just a huge crowd from the market. Like, tons of people have just followed to see what goes down here. Yeah. And, and um... And Yuan is there as well. And he's basically like, Master Ip, like, tell everybody how you beat Master Lu. And Master Lu is basically like, hey, Ip Man, you have to set the record straight here. Come on, help me out, man. <laughs> right? And Ip Man kind of says nothing here. Right? He he kind of declines to answer. Yeah. He's kind of in the middle of it. And I know Lin and Yuan start arguing about mm-hmm. something. Yeah, because, well, it's basically because Yuan is really going after Ip Man yeah. to admit that he won this fight. Because he saw he saw it happen, right? Yeah. So he's like, I fucking saw you beat this guy's ass, man. Just fess up to it. Tell us how awesome you are. And Lin turns to, to Yuan and is like, you're always fucking making a scene. You're so embarrassing. Because Lin's like the older brother and Yuan's the, the younger brother. And we kind of get the impression in their dynamic that Lin is like the hardworking, responsible sibling, and Yuan's kind of like a slacker and kind of like the a little bit more of like the loser of the family, yeah. right? And so Lin is like, "Fucking get your act together! You're making a scene! You're embarrassing yourself!" And at and at this point, yeah, this is why I brought it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it leads to it leads to Lin pulling Yuan's pants down a, in front of everyone. A pantsing, yes. And we see it from the back, so we see his little butt cheeks. But he pulls his pants down in front of everybody when he is facing them. So the camera is from the back, but the crowd sees his dick and balls. <laughs> Which I was like, oh man, that's fucking humiliating. And then at that point, Ip is like, okay, calm down. Yeah, like, he's like, like, this has gone far enough. We're all <laughs> laughing at this guy's little dick and balls now. Um, <laughs> and then a cop shows up. And yeah. is this, I didn't track this until uh, until later. Is this Lee Zhao? This is Lee, yes. Okay. So so he is a cop at the beginning of the movie. And then later after the Japanese invasion, he goes on to essentially be a collaborator with the Chinese, or sorry, with the Japanese uh, invaders, right? Um, so he, this, but he starts the movie as a cop. Yeah. So this is Lee. And he comes in and is like, I'm breaking this shit up. Like, this is, you guys are being too rowdy. And he goes kind of on a little, he immediately, first of all, starts being a huge dick to everybody. (laughs) He's like, you martial artists are such fucking ruffians. And like, why don't you like learn some manners, right? Um, And then he's he's like, and also, don't you understand that nowadays martial arts doesn't mean shit. It's all about guns now. And he takes his fucking gun out, gun out and starts waving it around in everybody's faces, which I was just like, this cop needs to calm the fuck yeah. down. Very bad trigger discipline here. Mm-hmm. Literally sticks the gun in Donnie Yen's face, not in like a threatening way. No, he's, he's just, just like, like, I'm making a joke. I'm gonna stick a gun in your face. And Donnie Yen does the coolest thing where he grabs the gun and f- and pushes the it's like a it's like a a 38 revolver or something like that and pushes the cylinder out of the gun yeah and it it flies out of the gun in slow motion it rocks and it's also like kind of it captures one of the themes in this movie which is essentially um one of the themes that this movie explores is what it means to be a martial artist in an ancient tradition 
in the modern age where people can just shoot you with guns and like discipline and practice and skill means a lot less than it used to. Right. Um, and I, I like this as kind of a, a visual moment that kind of encapsulates that theme is him just pushing the, the cylinder out of this gun and the bullets dropping and clattering to the floor. Um, it's, it's a nice little moment. Yeah. And, and he, of course, bends over and picks them up and gives them back to him. Yes. Cause and he's polite. He's, Cause he's very polite. <laughs> and he's basically like, Hey, uh, Hey, you know, Corporal Lee or whatever, Lieutenant Lee, I, I don't remember his police rank, but he's like, um, you may think that us martial artists are uncivilized and I know we get rowdy at times, but he's basically like, we're just, we're just people like anybody else yeah. is kind of his, his, uh, response. And, uh, after this, uh, this sort of the crowd disperses, Ip gives Quan some money to help start up the mill. Mm. Um, later on that night, back at Ip's uh, Ip's estate, Lin uh, shows up and wants to train with Ip, and is really excited and really gung ho about doing it and talking about all of this martial arts theory that he knows about. Attacking is defending, and defending is attacking. And Ip's like, okay, let's sh- put your money where your mouth is. Like, let's yeah. let's 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 train here. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, and I like I like he has a line here that I don't exactly remember, but it's basically Lin is yeah spouting all this theory, and he basically is like, enough with the theory. Let's see how skilled you are, right? Like, and this is sort of a thing that again will be repeated throughout the movie where. Ip Man's approach to martial arts, he's not really interested in intellectualizing it. He's basically like, you're either good at this or you're not, right? He kind of has like a more, um, not a more simplistic mindset, but like definitely a more um, like grounded mindset toward his approach to martial arts than some of the other people in this film who have a little bit more of like grandiosity associated with it. And he's basically like, no, it's about how good you are, um, which I, I just like. Yeah, so they spar really quickly, and um, just a very, very short fight. Nothing really notable to mention, other than Ip Man's son <laughs> runs over with his his shitty little drawing, and so, it's like, "Daddy, look at my drawing!" And it's like, "Your dad's punching someone right now." Yeah, he's basically like, "Daddy's in the middle of something right now." But also, not only does the son run over with the shitty picture, the mom tells him to do that. Right. Because it, we were basically like uh, Ip is training Lynn and doing this little sparring match with him. And the kid is like, I drew this picture. And she's like, go show daddy. And I'm like, what do you expect to happen here, lady? He's actively fighting a dude. <laughs> and then she acts like he's like being a bad father because she's like, oh, you don't have any time for your son. And it's like, you told him to go show me a picture while I was punching a guy like <laughs> um but anyway <laughs> yeah i don't like it man's wife in this movie i so okay we we had a very brief bit of off mic conversation about this before the record started i sort of agree with you in the first 20 minutes of this movie she seems like she's kind of being like a little bit of a wet blanket and that's all that we get from her that's Where all her character like, is at this point yeah at this point yeah yeah so basically like early in the movie she's like i'm married to this extravagantly wealthy uh grand master of kung fu and i just am so unhappy that he is not spending more time with me and my son right and i'm just like first of all it seems like he eats family dinner with you seemingly every night you know it seems like he's around they don't 
frame him as like an absentee dad, you know? Um, and so I'm not really sure what her complaint is. Like, it's not very clear where this grievance is coming on, coming from, from her. And because it's not clear kind of what the grievance is, she does come across, yeah, as kind of like a buzzkill and a wet blanket <laughs> where she's just like, I wish you would stop doing stupid martial arts. And it's like, he's a fucking Kung Fu grandmaster. He's not going to stop doing this. Like, yeah, I mean, her arc in the movie is, I wish my husband didn't do Kung Fu so much and had time for me. And then at the end of the movie, she was like, I'm such an idiot for wanting my husband to spend more time with me. Yeah. Like, and and now I support his Kung Fu. I sort of, I sort of agree with the bookend problems that you have, like her at the beginning and her at the very end. I think, I think this character gets stronger in the middle than maybe you're giving it credit for. Um, Because there's, there's a moment, there's a few moments in the middle of this movie where, they have lost all of their wealth due to the Japanese invasion and they have been plunged into like homelessness and poverty. Yeah, that's fair. And she takes it really well. Like based on her character at the beginning of this movie, you would expect her to not take this transition well. Yeah. There are a couple of those moments that I liked, but I I don't necessarily know if I've noted them here, but yeah, like there's a, there's a moment later where they're, and we're, we're skipping around a little bit, but that's okay. There's a moment later where, um, her and, uh, and Ip are having a conversation after he has done his prison fight in, in, uh, for the Japanese, which we'll talk about later, but she's kind of like cleaning his like bruised knuckles or whatever. And she's basically like, I'm happier now than I've ever been. And I was like, oh, that actually makes me like this character a lot better. That, like, she didn't need the extravagant palatial estate and all of her precious vases and her, you know, her beautiful, wealthy existence to be happy. What she needs is, like, her husband being safe and okay and with her, you know? And, like, it's still not, like, a super, like, progressive or fleshed out or three-dimensional portrait of a female character, which is, I think, my biggest gripe with this character is that she is kind of just, like one-dimensional right but i still did appreciate that aspect of her character where like she she is kind of hardy when the hardship hits the family she is resilient um and and um kind of takes it upon herself to continue like being strong for for ip and for her son you know yeah i like that my i'm coming to this movie with action movie brain and my action movie brain is one either make the wife a well-fleshed out developed character Mm -hmm. or two kill the wife and make it a revenge movie. <laughs> right. But we can't do that because this is at least somewhat tethered to actual history. Right. It's either John Wick or it's Die Hard. <laughs> Those are the two action movie wives that are allowed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, now, that being said, the son... Fuck this kid. <laughs> I want to see Donnie Yen do that, that, that 40... 40, that 40 punch combo on that kid. The kid is adorable and insufferable this entire movie he's the actor is very cute very cute kid actor i don't even think he's doing a bad performance they just don't give him a goddamn thing to do and so as a result he just kind of ends up being an obnoxious insufferable presence throughout this film he he falls squarely into the problem of action movie kid he's what uh he's what the we hate movies podcast which we're both fans of would describe as a disgusting shit boy um which is basically just an insufferable precocious little little snot um is is sort of what's going on here (laughs) yeah um moving on with the plot next day uh, we're introduced to this kind of gang of thugs led by a character named Jin. 
who I, I believe the movie mentions this from the northern part of China. Yes, and and he speaks, him and his gang of toughs are speaking the Mandarin dialect because that's more prevalent from what I understand in the northern regions of China, um, whereas uh, Ip Man and all of the other folks in Foshan um, are speaking Cantonese, which is more common in the in the southern region of China, from what I understand. Don't come at me if I'm wrong about that. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, and these guys just kind of stroll into town. They look like they mean trouble right away. Like their their clothes are very ragged, and they look like they've traveled a long way. And the first thing they want to do is get in a kung fu fight. Is fight some some martial artists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they basically have come to Foshan because they heard that this is a town renowned for being a town full of kung fu badasses, and they're like, "Let's see how good these motherfuckers are." Which I think is they they Jin and his gang in this first twenty five minutes of the movie is sort of my favorite bit. I'm not as much of a fan as when we revisit them later yes um but i love them in this first little bit and you mentioned their costumes i love the costuming on these guys they they are dressed so fucking cool because this movie takes place in the 30s and they kind of have like a 30s like you know those those um pictures of like uh of like uh, British pilots in the 30s when they have like the big leather jackets with like the fur lined collar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of are wearing like those style of jackets. Um, but yeah, and then just kind of like raggedy like peasant clothes underneath. It's it, the design is just really cool on these guys. I think they look so rad. <laughs> and uh, this first series of fights that they have in this movie are really really good too. Yeah. Um. And I think, in general, the fighting in this movie is obviously stylized and heightened, but we're not flying around on wires. No. Like, it feels it feels as grounded as it probably could be for a movie of this type. Yeah. Um, but we're still getting some, some, some flips and stuff like that. There's a great moment where he challenges this first master, and the master jumps up and just crushes Jin's head in between his thighs. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. Yeah, just uh, fully puts his dick and balls on his nose and just smashes his, <laughs> his his head between his thighs. He challenges... Um, uh, oh, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, and Jin uh, wins this this first fight uh, pretty easily. Yeah. Right? He does... The other... The martial arts teacher gets a couple hits on him, but Jin is, is pretty uh, quick in dispatching this guy. Yeah. And, and then I'll, moving on to the next martial arts school. He's yeah. basically working his way down the street. Yeah, and they're all... They're all outside, and they all notice what's happening. So he shows up to fight the next guy, and this next master t- takes out like a pole arm. Yeah, he and Jin grabs a sword. Yeah, in uh, it, it's basically like a, a huge stick with then like a sword on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I know is is a medieval uh, weapon in both like China and Japan. I just don't know the name of it. <laughs> um, and it was nice to have some weapon combat in this movie it's yeah a nice change of pace cause... and this isn't the only instance of it there's yeah. a few weapon fight scenes which i think is is fun and cool yeah um i need to i need to d- depart uh digress from the fighting a little bit here yeah we're both strength at- strength athletes yes did you see the in in this particular kind of training area where they're fighting did you see the barbell in the background i didn't i missed the barbell Um, so there's like a normal, like a normal barbell Mm -hmm. and then there is 
what looks like a barbell with two giant concrete wheels <laughs> on either side. Yeah. I want to deadlift this thing so <laughs> bad. Yeah. Yeah. Lifting, lifting like concrete weights seems so fun. I've never done it, but there's like some like gyms on, um, I've seen like, uh, on like Instagram influencer pages. I've seen some, some gyms on like beaches and stuff. Um, where they have like uh like bamboo barbells and like concrete weights, and I'm like something about that just appeals so strongly to my caveman brain, where I'm like ooga booga, I lift big rock. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it does for me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it's just hanging out in the background of the scene. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, Jin once again dispatches this guy pretty easily. We have reached my second, and I think my last Kung Pao Enter the Fist reference. Okay, which is. Master Payne, it is a great honor to have you beating random people in our town. <laughs> and he is beating these random people. Yeah. Like, he's, like this is, these fights are getting progressively more savage. Like, this is not the kind of respectable, um, gentlemanly sparring that we're used to so far. Yeah, yeah. No, Jin is not fighting the way Ip Man has been fighting. He's fighting pretty, pretty brutally. Yeah. Um, he, and he's really beating the fuck out of his opponents as opposed to like, like pulling his punches and letting them walk away with their dignity intact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lin sees this and runs to Ip Man's estate um, where he's watching what it, he's looking at what his kid is drawing, which of course is a shitty drawing because his kid can't fucking draw to save his life. <laughs> it does look I really bad. I hated the kid's drawings in this movie. They're, They're really so bad. bad. <laughs> Oh. They look like dog shit. It's true. If a kid walked up to me and show and was like, "Look at this picture I drew," I'd be like, "Do it again. <laughs> it's not good enough." <laughs> and, and and I like uh, I like this kind of moment of hesitancy where Donnie notices that Lin has showed up and is like kind of torn between staying with his kid and going to do the kung fu thing. Yeah, he's like, my wife's been hassling me to spend more time with my kid. I should just ignore this. And then he's basically like, okay, what's going on? And Lin is like. There's guys in town beating all of the master, like the the kung fu masters' asses, <laughs> and um, he's like, "Okay, well, uh, I'm not getting involved in this." <laughs> Basically, <laughs> is his reaction. We uh, back in the in the square, Jin has moved on to fighting Master Liu, um, and I think Liu puts up a good fight here. Yeah, he really gives Jin a run for his money. Yeah, but uh, Jin has a few a few like flips. And stuff that he does he's definitely fighting more aggressive here mm -hmm. uh and kicks kicks liu into a table and kind of, that kind of takes him out i think there is a moment here is it in this fight or is it in his fight with i think it's in this fight um there is a cool moment where Jin Jin is a big kicker he kicks a lot in his fights um there's a moment where he does like a like a kind of a high soaring kick and I think it is in this fight where Lin grabs both of his ankles and then slams him into the ground, like uses his body's momentum as he's like soaring through the air to try and kick. He like dodges the kick, grabs his legs and just smacks him into the ground. Um, cool moment, but he ends up losing the fight anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, there is another one here. Sorry, oh, yeah. sorry. No, There's yeah. another one here where at one point, um, I think Liu's uh, face is on the ground. He's like been he's uh like landed on the on the dirt and Jin like basically like baseball slides like he's sliding into home base. He like slides and uses the momentum of the slide to kick Jin in the face while his face is like laying on the ground. Also a cool moment. And the camera like follows his foot 
into Lou's face. Um, pretty cool. Um, so afterwards, they're sitting at a noodle stand enjoying their victory noodles. Yeah. And this has the vibe of – they're talking about they want to open their own martial arts school here. Yeah. This has the vibe of, like, a couple of guys sitting at a bar. <laughs> we should had... open a bar. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it is funny, too, because, like, these guys, we've already seen – We've already seen Jin basically beat every uh, every martial arts teacher in this town, other than Ip Man, right? Um, and he's uh, he is so his his skill has been demonstrated, but he still just looks like a street tough. Like he's he's like all sweaty. He's wearing this big like leather coat and like these like raggedy clothes underneath. And his band of street toughs also kind of just look like, and they're all so sweaty. They they just look like they smell like uh like bo right and so even though we've we've shown that they're like good at this it is just sort of funny that they still look like raggedy street people and they're like yeah we should open a school <laughs> <laughs> and the uh the, the the guy running the noodle stand is like you fucking kids yeah it man's the best and he'll kick your ass yeah um, and Jin's like, oh, Ip Man, you say? Let me finish my noodles and walk over to his house. And somehow a crowd gathers, like a huge crowd gathers to watch them fight. Word gets around quick in Foshan. I guess. Um, they show up to Ip's house. Um, ugh, this fucking kid. I, I gotta mention the big wheel. Kid, <laughs> there's so many like toys that this kid is riding around on in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. This one is is like the equivalent of a modern day... I don't know if they still have them, but like in the nineties, like a big wheel bicycle trike that yeah. the kid would be running. It's around. like Danny Torrance's trike from The Shining. Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's doesn't have a huge wheel on mm. it, but it has like a horse head, and then the back of it is like a throne almost. Yeah, um, and this kid's riding around and being annoying, but uh, Jen shows up, knocks on the door tells it man he wants to challenge him to a fight and open a school and it man's like you don't need to fight me to open a school he's like yeah you can just open a school dog like, like I, got, I know a realtor i know a guy he's like all you need a few is some places land. downtown yeah. to rent i can help you find a spot and he's like no like i'm here to prove that i'm the best basically yeah. uh so jen kind of forces his way the, the crowd and, and jen kind of push their way into Ip's uh, estate. His like parlor, his, right? Yeah, the parlor room. And and um, here Jin starts really running his mouth. But then um, Ip Man's response is basically like, "No, like I'm not going to fight you." And the the wife kind of gets involved a little bit. Um, and it, so Ip Man's wife is basically like, um, "You know, don't don't fucking do this shit." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do it." And Jin's response is like. Oh, are you afraid of your wife? Like he starts taking that angle where he's like, oh, you're like pussy whipped. Like, that's why you won't fight me. And uh, Ip Man responds, no men are afraid of their wives. Uh, there are only men who respect their wives. To which I want to say, wrongo. <laughs> <laughs> because as a married man, I am a little afraid of my wife. I was going to ask. <laughs> and I was going to ask. I think it's good and healthy. Yeah. As a married man, to be a little afraid of your wife. I think you should be a little afraid of your wife. I, I because, think... you know what? Lorraine Bobbitt, in the middle of the night, just cut off that man's <laughs> dick. And... <laughs> she cut off that man's dick and balls. I'm going to fucking 
And I'm and I'm just saying, and I'm just saying, if you don't fear your wife at least a little bit, I think you're maybe not thinking hard enough about the power that she has over you, right? Because I'm like, if she wanted to, she knows where I sleep. She could just cut off my dick and balls and chuck them out a window. <laughs> and I don't think she would, but I better never give her a reason to. You know, yeah. so so I disagree with Ip Man here. I think that uh, there are men who fear their wives, and I think the men who fear their wives are the smart ones. <laughs> yes, I think you should be. You should love your wife, and she should be your best friend, and you should also be a little scared of her. Yeah, we're we're definitely not advocating for any sort of abusive relationship. Oh no, this, no, 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 at no. this point, but. I do fear women and also respect them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also David has met the and podmaster. I, and I think that's healthy. Yeah. And I'm... Hmm. <laughs> I'm a little scared of her. Yeah. There's a... There's, a there's, there's, there's violence behind those eyes. There's a dark... There's a dark streak to her. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is one of the things that makes her so hot and sexy to me, but is also, you know, just a thing that I sometimes am like, all right, <laughs> I got to watch myself. Um, otherwise, my dick and balls are going out the window. <laughs> Jin also has uh, a few jabs here about Wing Chung being invented by a woman, which it was. Yes, yeah. Um, At least according to, to legend. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think, anyway. I, think there's a, I think there's a fair bit of legend in in how it how it was started and even the the exploits of it man because this is taking place i don't have a ton of information about what was going on at this point in it man's actual life right um so i'm i'm assuming that most of this story is just completely made up i think it's highly fictionalized yeah um but jin's thrown around lots of lots of sexist comments um and his wife finally is like okay, you can go kick his ass, but don't break any of my shit. Yeah, she's like, just try not to break my things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, and and I like Ip Man's response, too, by the way, to Jin kind of talking down about Wing Chun because it was uh, invented by a woman, um, where Ip Man's response is basically, um, sex or age don't matter yes. in Kung Fu. What matters is, uh, like, skill, right? Um, he's He's basically saying, like, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or young or old. Um, you can be good at Kung Fu if you're disciplined, you know. Um, Officer Lee shows up again, trying to sort of disperse the crowd and kind of pulls it man aside and says, you have to redeem, you have to redeem the town's honor a bit. Yeah. He's um, like, you have to kick this guy's ass. <laughs> so do it for the town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so once again, Everyone is locked out of it man's estate here. No one's allowed in to see the fight. Yeah. Um, this is a really good fight. Yes. This is my second favorite fight sequence in this movie. Yeah. I didn't quite rank them. This is one of the highlights. I'm not sure what my favorite would be. We'll see when we get there. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get to um, my favorite when we get to it, but, but this is my, this is number two for me. But I, I, I love that the good portion of this, the first part of this fight if is just dodging and blocking. Like he's he's kind of toying with him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely not doing any attacks. He's kind of letting him ter- t- tire himself out. Um, and, and Jin does break a, a vase at first, 
And that kind of gets Ip Man a little pissed because yeah. he's like, I told you not to break any of my wife's shit, right? Um, so then he starts maybe going a little bit harder on him after that. And then uh, Jin then also breaks like a table which has like a whole tea tray with like a very nice, um, probably expensive tea set on it. And like that all smashes. <laughs> and he's like, he gets all pissed off about that as well. Yeah, Jin starts doing a lot more flips and high kicks. Um, like you mentioned before, he's a very, very kicky. Yeah. Very kicky guy. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> the fucking kid. This is one of my least favorite things that happens in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the kid uh, just, I don't even know what this fucking kid says. Some some stupid shit that he's, I just blocked from my memory. He's like, mom says if you fight, you're going to break everything in the house. Yeah, something shitty like that. Yeah. Uh, he wheels, he, 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 and there's literally like kooky circus music playing. Yes. As he wheels back out on his trike and it just is, does it, circles around Donnie Yen in the middle of this fight. The music that is playing here is the music that a white Western director would use as a caricature of Chinese music. That's the music that plays when the kid is riding his trike through this scene. And this is a Chinese film, so I can't like be like, this is a racist choice in this movie because it isn't. But it is it is the least inspired music choice possible in this moment of this film. <laughs> yeah. Um so so the the kid wheels his way out of the movie at this point. Yeah. Um Ip starts at going on the offensive a little bit more. Here. Oh, by the way, he uh, uh, Jin after oh. this happens does call the kid like a little shit or something. Yeah, and Ip's like, "You better watch your mouth." But I was like, "Okay, I'm kind of on Jin's side." <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, but but Ip starts going more on the offensive. Uh, we get a few of those those great Donnie Yen flurries. Yeah, of just really, really, really like imagine being punched in your chest thirty times in a span of about three seconds. Yes. That's what these punches are. Yeah, it's just like bah, 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 bah. super short. It's super fast. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and then Jin starts trying to kill Donnie Yen with the sword. Yes. Yeah. So basically, like, yeah, he he gets sort of neutralized for a second by one of these flurries of punches, and his goons kind of pick him up off pick him up off the floor, being like, "You okay, boss?" And <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, just give me a second. And uh, Ip Man is even like, "Hey, like, have you had enough?" And he's like, "No, like, I'm I'm coming back." And then yeah, he like charges back at Ip Man and also unsheathes his sword. Which then flies through the air and he catches. And now he has a weapon and Ip Man is still unarmed. So he's just trying to murder him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair at It all. is not fair. It's not very sportsmanlike from Jin. This uh, roving street tough who uh, just apparently rolls into towns to beat up martial artists. <laughs> but uh, Ip grabs like a feather duster, it looks like. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of decorative. It's like a bamboo reed with a bunch yeah. of feathers on the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, and starts defending himself yeah and then actually starts whacking him with it and like spanks him on the ass a few times at one point which he, is so humiliating yes and at one point he hits him in the face with like the the feathery end and it, the uh Jin's mouth just gets full of feathers <laughs> and he's like spitting them out like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um i also like how through the rest of this fight sequence when when ip is fighting with the with the feather duster there's just kind of feathers floating through the air in all of the shots because they're being loose they're being loosed from the um stick as he's hitting Jin with it so it's just kind of like a cool visual where there's just all these feathers kind of calmly floating through the air while these guys are like beating each other's asses <laughs> yeah um finally it disarms him 
and the sword gets kind of stuck into the door and the crowd outside notices and it's like, oh, the fight's over. And the the Jin and his goons leave with their tails between their legs as the rest of the crowd is like booing them and they're just like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get out of here. You think you can hack it in Foshan? Go back up north, you fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> um this uh, this isn't really like a, a a significant scene, but Ip is like I just wanted to mention something about it. Ip is out with his family to get some of the things replaced that were broken, mm. and merchants keep giving him stuff for free and thanking him so much because he he like restored a, the honor of the town, right? Defended the town's honor. Yeah. I love this hat that he's wearing here. It's this classy little like fedora. Yeah, I wish he wore the hat in the movie more. Yeah, yeah. It- <laughs> It would be cool if he was wearing the hat more. <laughs> and he's got his, he has his martial arts robes on underneath this like this overcoat that he has on. Mm. He looks classy as hell. Yeah, Donnie Yen, just in general, Donnie Yen looks really good in this movie. Yeah. Um he like uh, anytime he's costumed in those martial arts robes, I'm like, he looks so fucking cool. And then yeah, in this outfit with the overcoat and the hat, he looks so cool. Later on in the movie when he's shovel shoveling coal in the fucking mines, I'm like Donnie Yen with fucking coal on his face looks so cool and like a badass. He's just, yeah, his, he, he, he looks good throughout this entire film. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it returns home and the, the crowds, the crowds at his house and they think he's going to open a martial arts school. And yeah. There's like a mob demanding that he train them yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the Lee, Lee Zhao, the, the cop is there. And gets the crowd to start chanting Ip Man, which yes. is a nice a nice moment from him because he's not a very likable character for most of this movie, but it's a it's a cool moment. Yeah, the cop has. you're saying. Yeah, yeah, the cop. Yeah. Um so But this is kind of the end of like It's really the end of Act One. Act one, but it's almost a prologue. Yes. Because I'm I'm I think we're gonna reach this is kind of where my problems with the movie start. I sort of agree with you, yeah. I think structurally this movie has issues. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, This opening is really good. It's a little long, Mm -hmm. and especially because so much of this movie takes place around the the Japanese occupation. Yeah. We spend a good 30 minutes setting things up, and I think... I think this could be shorter. This I, is this is like an hour 45 that probably could be 90. Completely agree. 100% agree. I think I could have cut some fluff from the beginning of this. Um and even though like a lot of this stuff I like, you know, but I don't I don't think all of it is necessary. Um could definitely do less shit with the kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but also even Jin beating up the the other martial artists, you know, th- it shows us basically like three full fights. I love the fights. Right. But I get the fucking picture after he beats one or two of those guys, you know, and it's like the interesting part of the movie or the part, at least the part of the movie that the movie itself is more interested in is the Sino-Japanese war part. Right. And so I'm like. If that's what we're, if that's what this movie is about, let's spend less time with the, with the set dressing in the first thirty minutes of this thing, yeah, and just get to it, you know. So I agree, I agree with you, yeah, yeah. Um, so the this is the second Sino-Japanese War, yes. I believe. There was another one that I don't know anything about because I am a moron who doesn't know anything about history. <laughs> yep. Um, but in 1937, we get te- we get text here. 1937, Japan invades China. 
Mm. We get kind of a montage of Japanese forces occupying Foshan. We get some shitty CGI planes. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice transition, though. It is. It, yeah. it, the camera, like, tilts up to the sky. The sky turns to storm clouds. We get planes flying over. It's It, it works. I mean, it doesn't... Uh, the CGI didn't take me out of it. It's, okay. It's like a... It's like a Call of Duty cutscene, kind of. <laughs> yeah. We're just setting the stage for what's to come. Yeah. It's basically like, okay, now that you know all these characters, we are going to thrust them into Japanese occupation, and you'll see what happened to yeah. them after. Yeah. Um, We get some, you know, civilians getting shot, and uh, text tells us that Ip's house was seized by the army. Ip became homeless, and in 1938... Ip and his family are kind of living in this ruined shack, kind of a a small, a very small uh, building somewhere yeah. somewhere in the city. Yeah, it seems like they're sort of squatting in like the shell yeah. of a building. That's yeah. what that's what that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, we don't have to get too deep into it. Mm. This is our second film that is using a real life tragedy mm. and conflict as a backdrop to tell a fictional story. The only difference is in this one, there's a real person involved. Right. Um, the other one being Rambo, the other by one the being way. Rambo. Uh, one of our least listened to episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did not care for us covering Rambo. <laughs> how, how do you feel about the, uh, the, the tragedy porn in this movie compared uh, to Rambo? I think it's better handled in this movie. I think... In this movie, as opposed to Rambo, first of all, the violence in this movie is almost exclusively focused on martial arts combat because this movie is about kung fu, right? And so we don't spend a lot of time watching soldier soldiers line up Chinese civilians and shoot them, for example, which is a thing that Rambo does do with that conflict, right? Um so I like that we kind of keep most of the war atrocity off screen. There is a mo a very important moment where the war violence, the, the occupier versus occupied country violence does have a big violent moment in this movie later. I think that moment is good and fine because I think it is, it stands out and is supposed to be handled with some gravity and some real sense of like, tragedy to it as opposed to rambo which is just like it's showing you atrocity after atrocity after atrocity to the point where it either numbs you or disconnects you from the movie you know um so for me the real life the, the kind of real world implications of like yes this was a real conflict that occurred chinese civilians really were you know mass murdered and harmed by this oppressive military regime um by this invading force you know like, it seems like enough of that happens off camera for me that I'm like, okay, I accept this as a backdrop for this movie and it doesn't really make me feel like I am watching something that is exploiting this conflict. That's yeah. how I felt about it. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I figured we would agree on this. I just thought it would be interesting to bring it up since we've kind of had that. Yeah. These two films with that, those kind of sharing similar themes in that regard. Yeah. Um, So early in the show. But yeah, I think treating the war as a backdrop and focusing on Ip Man and alluding to it occasionally, the villains in this movie are are are, are Japanese soldiers for sure. Yeah. Um, 
but there's still a sense here of like we are here to have fun right and yeah the tone of the movie never takes the full dive into just depravity yeah that rambo does and and ip is ip man is is framed as an insp- at least in this movie's version of history is framed as an inspiring force in china during this dark period mm-hmm. whereas rambo's just a, a a guy from the 80s who decides to wander into this real world burmese <laughs> conflict yeah which by the way you mentioned him being an inspiring force in this dark period of history the movie has a device that it uses to illustrate that. And I want to get your feelings on it because I have feelings about what the movie does here. The beginning of the movie, there's a lot of vibrant color. Then after this cut, where we then cut forward to after the Japanese occupation has happened, all of the saturation leaves the movie. And there are some scenes that are almost black and white. Like, they're almost, like, grayscale, right? And then the more Ip Man sort of involves himself in the in getting the spirit of the people of Foshan back to a place of, uh, you know, Chinese pride and resilience against this occupation, the color saturation slowly starts increasing in kind of the third act of the movie, and then we get some vibrant colors again towards the end, right? How do you feel about that as a cinematic device? Um, that would be cool if I picked up on it because <laughs> I didn't. Okay. I thought this movie kind of looked like shit. Yeah. Okay, so right. the production design is great. Yes, it is. Production design is great. Costuming is great. Sets are, the sets are awesome in this movie. The sets are really good. Um, Because they they have like a whole, whole street blocks that look like 1930s China. Um, the color saturation... The color, um, the color palette of this movie just looks like, looks like Saving Private Ryan. And okay, it, yeah. it feels, and I didn't notice really that it, that it grew warmer as the film progressed. Um, if it had been a little bit more drastic, maybe I would have appreciated it more, but I've watched this movie twice and, and didn't pick up on it at all. That's and, very interesting to me because for me, that choice felt so ham-fisted. I was like, I fucking get it. Yeah. I understand yeah. that a war is happening, so now it's gray and sad. You I know? yeah, I think I think if the movie is just committed to it harder, it maybe would have worked better for me. Yeah. And especially I think some of the martial arts sequences they're all good, but there's moments where the editing you lose a bit of the geography of the fight and where people are. Right. Just and, and that's it's it looks great. It looks better than fucking half the action movies out here. Right. Um, but you lose a little bit of it. And when we're in dark locations with a very dark color palette and color tone, it, 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 it makes the movie harder to look at. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Um, anyway, we can move on from that now. Yeah. But <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. Cause I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. I did. And I don't think it, it totally worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like we said, 1938, Ip and yep. his family are kind of squatting in this uh, this this shack here. Um, he goes out for rice and runs into Quan, who the mill is up and running. The cotton mill is up and running, and they go back to the mill, and Quan kind of offers to cut him in on the action a little bit and make some money, but it refuses because he's just 
he's just that guy. Yeah, and and uh, Quan's son uh, has a line about this where he's like, "Oh, why did Uncle Ip uh, refuse your offer?" And Quan's like, "He doesn't like to owe people favors." Is his response, um, which I think is kind of an interesting thing that we get about his character, where he he kind of is sort of like fiercely independent and like wants to be self sufficient. He yeah. doesn't want to rely on other people. Yeah, Quan's son is annoying too. Yeah. <laughs> He is also he is another he is another we hate movies copyright disgusting shit boy. Not as annoying as as Ip Man's son. Yeah, but, but he's also annoying. But I guess part of it is uh, he does get the shit kicked out of him a couple times in this movie. It's true. So that makes that endears me to him a little bit because it's like oh at least I get to see him suffer. <laughs> so his wife is sick all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. It's not really. It's not really. I thought this was gonna be a thing. Like. She gets sick. And She's she just gets sick worse for one she scene. She dies. She's sick for one scene. Yeah, and which then, which I think is just trying the movie trying to show us that they're going through hardship. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is when Ips like, well, I guess I could find a job, and it's like, bro, because he finds a job fairly easily. Like he stops at a couple places, and no one's hiring. Yeah, but then he gets a job immediately afterwards. And yeah. It's like, Dude, what have you been doing? Right. Like he, just I, scrounging? I guess he's just been scrounging for rice, yeah. Um, instead of, you know, uh working. Imagine that. But I guess he's never done it before, so it wasn't the first thing that occurred to him. Yeah. Um, I do kind of like the scene where his wife is sick and he is feeding her soup and he like is taking the spoon out of the soup and it's still too hot for her to eat. So he's like blowing on it for her and then feeding it to her. I thought that was kind of like sweet. And Donnie Yen plays it very well. Um, and the actress um whose name I I did not make a note of um, who plays uh, 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 Ip Man's wife. Um, I also think she's pretty good in in this scene and the other scenes during the the Japanese occupation. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of like a, a sweet little moment with them. Yeah, it's a nice moment. Uh, Donnie Yen is the only actor name that I have written down. For this movie, so. <laughs> Sorry. Get used to that. Sorry, everybody else in this Sorry. movie. Sorry. I did a real, I think I did a, a good job at the character names though. I really tried. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not always good about that. Um, anyway. So, uh, yeah. So like David said, um, Donnie Yen goes, uh, from place to place trying to get a job. He eventually, uh, gets a job mining or, uh, shoveling coal. Yeah. Um, is is the kind of the next big thing that happens here. He gets hired because he is Master Ip, right? Like the guy hiring people is like, oh, Master Ip, you need a job? Come on. Um, and so during uh, his time mining or shoveling coal, um, he uh, meets back up with Lynn, right? Um, where he's like, I didn't even know you were alive. It's so good to see you. And they kind of are um, re-bonding, uh, um, kind of reigniting their friendship um now under the japanese occupation um in the in these coal mines right yeah he he runs into lynn who's working there and lynn says well like a lot of martial artists have been hired at this plant because i guess the guy running it likes martial artists or is a fan of martial arts yeah um lynn hasn't seen his brother in a while and yeah. doesn't know what's happened to him yeah his brother yuan is uh is just has disappeared from the movie yeah uh, and he mentions a, a tin box that he's he's misplaced. Yeah. Um, when they're eating their uh, lunch of steamed potatoes, uh, steamed the, yams. The, yeah, these huge potatoes. Yeah. Um, it's like a, it's just a big steamed yam that they just eat with no condiment or anything on it. Just a plain steamed yam. It looks fucking awful. While they're having lunch. Uh, while they're chowing down on chowing these down yams. On yams <laughs> uh, Japanese soldiers show up. And we're introduced to Colonel Sato. Yes. Uh, who's a shithead. Yes. Okay. So this guy, 
the character is a shithead. I think that the performance here and also just the casting of this guy is pretty good. Lee Lee Zhao, the cop, is now working as a translator for the for the Japanese, and he shows up here and says that the Japanese are looking for Chinese martial artists yeah. to to fight and train against Japanese soldiers. And whoever wins gets a sack of rice. Yep. And so that's a big motivator for these people who are starving. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got we got Japanese Fight Club, basically. Yep. Um, and a few people volunteer to go back with them. Lin is one of them. And through, through Lin's point of view here, we're introduced to General Mira, who is our main villain in this movie, who's leading the fighting ring. Yes. And speaking of guys that I like in this movie... I love this performance from this actor who's playing Gen- General Miura. How did you feel about General Miura? Yeah, I thought he was great. I mean, he, he does what he has to. He's, he's, he's a big asshole. I also think that his he we, we are big fans of guys who have good faces on, on film. Yes. He's got a great face. Solid face. He's got like a really pronounced uh, like brow line. And then like kind of these... Um, he, his eyes sort of bug out a little bit. It reminded me of like Steve Buscemi's eyes where they kind of bug out a little bit, but are like very heavily lidded, which gives him kind of like this sleepy menacing presence <laughs> like the entire time he's on screen. I just, I thought this guy's face was so good. It's, it's, it's a, it's an A grade, uh, shitty, um, military general in an action movie face. He kind of reminds me of like, a new metal musician. Yeah. Like he kind of reminds me of Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, Matt Heafy from Trivium. Yeah. Like he just, uh, not really necessarily anything like that, that he looks anything like them in terms of uh, his physical appearance. I get what you're saying. He he's has, got, he's got like the buzz cut. He yes. kind of has that, that weight to him where I just imagine him in like a black tee in a music video where he's singing into a light bulb that's coming down from the ceiling. At yes. the end of the video, he slash he smashes the light bulb on yeah. the floor. Yeah, he he has like there's just something about him that is like angsty and dark, and it's just it's just how he looks. It it really I liked this performance a lot. Yeah, um, Master Liu is in this scene. He's fighting and he's he's giving it his all and doing pretty well for himself. He he beats the his Japanese opponent. And gets his sack of rice. Yeah, and and Mira is a little, um. He he's a little he he wants he wants a challenge. He's mm-hmm. he's interested in fighting, um. So he wants to fight three of the volunteers that they've brought, mm-hmm. and Lin is one of them who. Is is selected, and the the deal is. They're going to fight – all three of them are going to fight General Mira. They're going to get a sack of rice regardless if they win or not. Yep. General just wants to fight. Yeah. And the general kicks their asses. Yeah, beats all three of them at once. Yeah. Um, and there's this moment where pretty – pretty he takes them out pretty handily too. Like it is it is over quickly. And we should say – we should say um, because he is Japanese – General General Miura is not practicing uh, kung fu or Wing Chun like we'll see with Donnie Yen in this movie. He is practicing uh, karate, and so his fighting style is like very visually different. And I really like in this movie that they very clearly visually differentiate 
the karate fighting from the kung fu fighting. It's it's pretty cool how different it looks because the karate like it's it's a lot more. Uh, I'm not a martial artist. I know nothing about karate or kung fu. Um, but in this movie, it's very clear the karate fighting is a lot more um, like uh, swift and efficient, and a lot of it is like uh, like longer uh ranged like kicks and uh and swipes right whereas the the wing chun that donnie yen practices is all about close quarters it's all about getting close to your opponent and staying close to them whereas it seems general miura and the other japanese fighters who are doing the karate fighting are trying to maintain a little bit of distance so it's just kind of like a cool visual difference i'm not always the greatest about noticing this kind of stuff but um there's very little double work mm. or or stunt doubles in this like this is china this is hong kong yeah or in this case this actor is japanese mm. a lot of these actors are also trained martial artists yeah and so they are doing their own their own action in this movie yeah it seems like a lot of the stunts are performed by the actors yeah and it's it's fucking great it rocks um more more american movies should do that jesus christ yeah like like thank god for keanu reeves mm. investing six months out of his life to become a proficient a proficient killing machine and then doing a john wick movie i know kung fu uh <laughs> there are few actors few actors in hollywood that have the kind of dedication of you know any any hong kong stunt performer oh actor. totally Totally. And that's that's one of the the things that makes me when I watch a movie like this, I'm like, I should watch more Hong Kong action movies. Absolutely. And a big part of it is just, yeah, these guys are the whole package. They're they're charismatic performers in front of the camera. They can play a character. They can give a compelling performance. And also they can fucking actually kick ass. You know, they don't need somebody to come in and do it for them like the, Donnie Yen is a fucking badass like and also a great actor um and yeah you don't get that as much in american cinema for yeah. sure um so general mira lays all these guys out yeah lynn um attacks him while his back is turned and tries to get in a cheap shot yeah and the other but, guys are the other two chinese guys who were fighting general mira with lynn are kind of like just fucking you know uh admit defeat dude like you're going to get the rice anyway. Yeah. Just fucking call it. Right. Yeah, and Lynn has like a personal stake in this yeah. um, where he wants to, to beat the general essentially because he, he wants to get one in on the occupying force. Yeah. They're all, they're all beaten pretty badly and bloody at this point. Like they're all just, they're on the floor basically. And they just want to get out of there. Um, but Mira turns the tables on Lynn, gets him in a chokehold and, you know, screams in his face. Do you want to die? And then Lynn just spits a bunch of blood in his face, which is badass as hell. Yeah, and and Mira's like, "You asshole!" Yeah. Uh, and then Mira like kicks him square in the throat, and he flies across this arena. Yeah, and lands. And this is a, a killing blow on Lynn. Yeah, Lynn is not is not surviving this one. Um, and yeah. Next day, Ip Ip Man has shown up to work at the mine and is asking around about Lynn. He finds Lynn's tin box buried in buried in some coal but no one's heard from lin yeah and li Zhao shows up again looking for for men to fight the general so if is asking li Zhao about where lin is and lin is just ignoring him asking for volunteers to fight and Ip man decides to go along uh we get to see master liu fight 
he wants to fight three more men for their rice. Yeah. And it's a pretty pretty short fight. He loses. Um, I I like where he's he's lying on the ground on his stomach, and all three of the men kick him at once, and he just goes flying like yes. like a bar- like a barrel roll. It rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so he he has lost this fight. And he picks up his sack of rice because he had won a match before he fought the three guys. He had fought one guy, gotten a sack of rice, and then he wanted to fight three more. And then he lost that fight. So he picks up his sack of rice. And then we could do a close-up of a gun going off. And a we get a uh, close-up on Master Liu. And his head explodes. And he has been shot in the head. And it's very tragic and very sad. And it's graphically violent, but it's not excessive. Yeah. We see we see the blood. Um, we have this this really powerful shot of his head falling onto the bag of rice and a pool of blood yeah. soaking through this bag of rice mm-hmm. as it fell on, falls on the floor. Yeah. So anyway, so Master Lou has been shot here. We learn we we kind of pan up to the balcony area where the Japanese commanders, like the Japanese military uh, officers, have been spectating on this uh, martial arts fight club, uh, kung fu fight club, and um, they uh, it it's shown that Sato um, is the one who shot Lou, and uh, General Miura is basically like, why the hell did you do that? This place is for tournaments. It's not for that kind of violence. So we're kind of getting the feeling between these two guys that General Miura is the more principled and the more like honorable um, guy. And Sato's kind of the bloodthirsty sociopath, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so Miura is is basically like never fucking fire a gun in here again. And I like how he grabs Sato's gun hand and points the muzzle of the pistol like under Sato's chin and is like or fucking else. Like <laughs> he's basically like if this gun goes off again in this in here, it'll be into your fucking brains, you sniveling little pig. <laughs> um so Miura is not happy about this. Um but then uh then basically the Japanese officers are like, okay, bring out the next fighter. And Lee Zhao here is very, very shaken by what has just happened. Yeah. And he's reconsidering his kind of collaborator role with the Japanese occupiers. It's pretty clear. Um, but he's, he's doing what he's told cause he's scared for his own life. So he basically goes over to where the other Chinese um, guys are being kept and is like, who's our next fighter. And immediately Ip Man is like me open the gate. Yeah, he wants to fight. Yeah. He's still badgering uh, Li Zhao about what happened to Lin because mm-hmm. Ip Man clearly knows something is up here. Something's wrong. Yeah. Um, and and it, he, he asks him straight up here. He's like, was Lin beaten to death? Yeah. And uh, Li Zhao won't answer, and that is an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ip Man says he wants to fight 10 people. Yes. Um, and Li Zhao is ba- – because basically what's happening here is like – um, Ip Man has to speak in Chinese and then Li Zhao has to translate for the Japanese officers. So Ip Man says, I want to fight 10 people. And Li Zhao turns to him and is like, no, are you fucking crazy? Don't do this. And he re- repeats, I want to fight 10 people. And Li Zhao kind of turns to the Japanese officers and is like, <sighs> and then in Japanese, he's like, he says he wants to fight 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> and the J- Japanese officers are all like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, I like where he 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 has his his half-eaten potato in his pocket, mm-hmm. and he just sets it next to the edge of uh, the the training mat. Yeah, like yeah, for later. He's saving it for later. Yep. 
Um, like, I'm coming back for my potato. And then, yeah. Uh, is they, this the best fight in the movie? This is the best fight in the movie. Okay. This fight rocks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, basically, 10 of these Japanese soldiers um, in their, like, karate, uh, like, uniforms, right? Um, get up onto the mat. And they all kind of form, like, a U-shape around uh, Donnie Yen. Um, and do their, uh, like, karate, like, we're starting the fight uh, um, thing, right? And he uh, kind of puts his fist together and bows to them. And then they just all fucking come at him. And I love, I love in an action movie when there is a group of dudes attacking one badass and they don't do the thing where some of them hang back and, like, wait to get blows in. These guys are all fucking going at him, like, all at once. And the choreography here is so good. Uh, Sammo Hung, who did the fight choreo for this movie, fucking nailed it. And he has a huge career in um, Hong Kong action cinema. He, like, going back to the 70s. So the guy who did the fight choreo for this is, like, kind of a legend in in the genre. Um, and it shows. Because, like, this sequence, like, there's a moment where um, uh, Donnie Yen knocks a guy down and then fucking steps on his face. Um, there's a moment where he like breaks a dude's arm and then another guy does like a flying kick at him and he catches him, slams him into the ground and breaks his leg. It's like so fucking hardcore. Yeah. We're, we're breaking bones in this fight. Yeah. Um, again, not excessively violent, but you hear, you hear, you hear oh, there's bone, bone snaps. Snapping. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the most violent that Ip Man is in this movie. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, this he, is, he's very much fueled by the, the, the rage of watching his, watching his friend die and knowing that another one has also died. Yeah. Yeah. He really fucking, he, it, this is, and this is also kind of a cool moment because you've seen him fight other opponents previously in the movie that he didn't really want to hurt. Yeah. Right. So this is him kind of, unleashing his full capacity for violence for the first time in the movie and it's like so so fucking badass um there's uh there's a couple of really great moments too where he does those like flurries like the tornado of punches yeah and he does there's one that it's like the camera's really close in he knocks this guy over and the guy's on the ground and he does the flurry of punches to the chest and like goes up to the guy's face and it's just fist after fist after fist after fist hitting this dude in the face and he's like wah, 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 like while this is happening because it's like yeah you're being punched so many times in such a short amount of time that it's it's basically like overwhelming him and like breaking his fucking brain <laughs> it fucking rocks <laughs> this is a for me this is a candidate for best fight in the movie mm. i don't know if i can easily give it that that award I think all of the moves are great. Like yeah. all of all of what's happening in the fight is great. I think where it, it it's held back for me a bit is how it's shot. Mm. This is a very monochromatic sequence. Yeah. The the interior of this arena is very dark, very true. Uh, not not lit very well. Um and but I think there's a good contrast here where the, the uniforms are very white and the, the, the floor is very white. So we have that white on black kind of monochromatic uh, contrast. But there's moments where we lose track of geography here in yeah. terms of editing that threw me off a bit. And before people come at me, 
um, I, I I didn't have this part of my brain turned on for every fight in the movie, so I'm sure it happens at other points. <laughs> it just stood out to me here. Um, and uh, without a sense of like what the environment is, because everything is so monochromatic, I lose that a little bit. Yeah. But I love this moment character-wise because, yeah, it is the most violent he is in this movie, and it sets up a bit of an arc where his his confrontation, I think, at the end with General Mira is a mixture of this and the fighting from the beginning of the movie where it's he's found a balance between the violent aspect of martial arts and the more zen-like Confucian right element of it that he references at, at certain points in this movie where he is he is beating the shit out of this guy and being violent about it but it is not coming from like a place the, of rage that, and anger. Yeah, yeah kind of vengeance vengeance uh a place of vengeance and rage like it is here yeah so this fight basically ends he he has laid out like nine of these guys right uh, one moment I oh would, yeah yeah, yeah. The, he's laid out nine of them mm-hmm. he grabs the last guy's head and holds it between his legs yep and just hits him in the face he just keeps punching this dude in the face and it it is like the the sound design here every punch that lands is like reverberating it's like doom, doom, doom. and i'm like this guy is not gonna wake up tomorrow yeah. <laughs> um and then he drops the guy after he like beats him unconscious he drops the guy and his head just hits the mat like dunk. <laughs> it fucking rocks it's so good um and then, yeah, so he's beat all 10 guys. And the rest of the fighters who are sitting on the outside of the ring, they all get up and encircle him, like, ready to fight him. And the mirror comes down from the balcony to the first floor and walks into the arena and calls everyone off. Mm. They throw out 10 bags of rice, which Hitman refuses to take. Yeah, he's like, it's not about the rice. Yeah. Um, which is one of the moments that Li Zhao refuses to translate for him. Because he's like, he's saying shit that's going to get him killed. So I'm just not going to tell them that he's saying this, right? Um, And yeah, so then um, from here, uh, General Miura uh, asks who he is, right? Um, He's like, uh, like, what's your name? And uh, Ip Man responds, "Uh, I'm just a Chinese man. Which, moment of Chinese nationalism, sure. Also really powerful moment in this yeah movie. it's it's a great uh it's a great classic moment that you would see in something like uh like in gladiator yeah when it, like when he just says my name is gladiator yeah it's very 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 batman yeah know, i'm just a man trying to do the right thing yeah kind of vibe it's but cool. I, I love that response i love no, that I'm response just a chinese man i'm just a chinese man um and then um that's another moment li Zhao refuses to translate correctly yes he turns to the officers and says he says his name is Ip man yeah right um so now they know who he is um and yeah yeah and then he goes there's a moment very briefly where he he the only sack of rice he takes is the bloodied sack of rice. He takes his potato and the bloodied sack of rice. He doesn't take any of the 10 that he won. And then there's a very brief scene where he brings the bloodied sack of rice to what we assume is Master Lu's family. Yeah, it's a very, very short scene where yeah. he just hands it off and then uh, we move on. Li Zhao has followed him. Yeah. And kind of mentions to him like, hey, you need to like 
lay low a little bit. Like, what are you doing? And Ape Man just punches him in the fucking face and, and yeah. calls him a dirty traitor. He bitch slaps him. Yeah. And he's like, you fucking traitor, you fucking collaborator. And Li Zhao's response is basically like, I'm just trying to earn a living like anybody else. And Ip Man's not really having that. He's yeah. like, you're betraying your own people by working with uh, the occupiers. Right. Um, which gives Li Zhao some st- things to think about. Um, and then Ip comes home and tells his wife about how he feels kind of useless in this world. Now. I think it is funny, though. Oh, yeah. Just really quick. When he walks in, <laughs> he walks in after b- beating the shit out of and like breaking countless bones on the bodies of 10 dudes seeing a guy get fucking shot in the head he walks into this little hovel where him and his family are squatting and his wife says how was your day (laughs) and he doesn't really answer but i just thought it was so funny because it's like yeah man like how do you fucking respond to that question well i shoveled some coal saw a guy get shot in the head and then beat the fuck out of 10 dudes (laughs) um yeah no i just how was your day was very funny to me yeah uh, but yeah, he starts talking about how he's like, he feels useless, right? Um, and this sort of goes back to, he doesn't directly reference it, but it sort of goes back to one of the themes of the movie, which is like, what does it mean to be like a martial artist in a, in a world of modern warfare, in a world of guns and world wars and bombs and stuff, right? And so he's he is here basically being like, I'm a martial artist, but like, what is that good for? Like, I, I feel like I have no purpose, um, which I was like, uh, big relate, my man. <laughs> yeah, and his, his wife is like, but you still have me. Yes. It's a nice scene, but I do have written down here. I don't care about his wife. <laughs> that is in my notes. I care about his wife a little bit more, I, but maybe I, that's because I'm a man with a wife, so I was projecting. Wife, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a nice it's a nice scene of vulnerability from a character who is has to spend a good portion of this movie being strong. Right. And... and um, carrying is carrying a lot on his shoulders that he doesn't always show. Mm. We cut to a scene of a truck driving through the woods, and we run into our old friend Jen. Yep, who set up a roadblock with a down a down tree, and his gang has apparently grown in numbers, and they have, and they come out of the woods with hand axes. They're an axe gang. <laughs> yeah, and they they raid this truck. Uh, we do kind of catch in the background here that Yuan, yes. who is Lin's brother from the beginning of the movie. The has, kid with the kite. Has joined the window up with peeper. Them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Has joined up with them. Um, it's a truck of supplies that's heading to Quan's cotton mill. Um, and they... They roll up to the cotton mill. They roll up to the cotton mill and they're like, hey, give us money. Fuck you. Yep. We, we own this place now. They're basically like, we got all your supplies and also now we want all your money. <laughs> and, and Quan's kid runs up trying to tell them off and they beat the shit out of him, yep. which is good. They also then beat the, good. beat the shit out of Quan as well. And Quan's son runs to uh, Ip Man's house, uh, Ip Man's little poverty hovel, and is basically like, hey, Uncle Ip. Uh, my dad Quan is being uh, beaten up by like Jin and his band of street toughs. You have to come help us, right? Yeah. Um, and it man's like, oh shit, like uh, this, I got to deal with this, right? Um, my my community needs me, <laughs> which this is the my community needs me movement of the film, which I mentioned earlier. I like the early stuff with Jin. This bit for me, this kind of plot movement for me, drags a little bit. Yeah, this is an issue I have here where you there's two movies happening here. Mm-hmm. There's It Man versus Jin. 
Yeah. And then Ant-Man versus General Mira. Yeah. And I think there was a way to bridge those into a coherent plot. Yeah. Or not that this movie's incoherent, into a more cohesive plot structure. Yeah, into something that moves along a little bit more um logically than this does yeah yeah but the 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 japanese stuff is t- is definitely going to take a back seat for a while here right while we focus on this plot and um i i i think it almost seems like the movie or the filmmakers had a couple ideas but didn't know how to develop them into a 90 minute movie like these were both right. 45 minute long ideas yeah <laughs> and so they just stuck them together into one movie right yeah yeah and yeah. and n- this movie isn't bad. I liked this movie a lot. Yeah. That is the biggest issue I have with this is that I feel like this plot just gave me a bit of whiplash switching back and forth between these two, these two plot lines. Yeah. And, and switching in tone to when you switch between yeah. the two plots, cause the Japanese occupier stuff is a lot darker than the kind of more fun and light tone with some of the cotton mill stuff. And investing in the characters is a big thing. Because yeah. The villains are all great but all a little bit underdeveloped because they're all kind of trying to share the spotlight in this one movie. Yeah. Whereas you could have, if we were going to have Jin in this movie, make Jin much more minor mm-hmm. and have this, this part wrap up a little bit quicker. Yeah. And there's a way that I think they could have done it, which we'll get to. Mm. Um, but anyway, but yeah, anyway, um, it goes to the mill Jin and his goons are gone, and Quan wants Ip to teach the workers kung fu. Yep, and uh, Ip is an initially a little resistant here, but it doesn't take much to win him over because he realizes, basically, I have a responsibility to my community to make sure that they can defend themselves against uh, a band of axe-wielding street toughs. <laughs> yeah, we get a short, uh, we get a short little Seven Samurai uh, training the peasants montage. Yes, uh, which I always love in a movie. It's yeah. just it's a it's a doing doing uh, a Seven Samurai thing is always just going to work for me. Yeah, where I... where we're cha- we're training uh, we're training people who are underprivileged and unequipped to fight an oppressive force. Yeah, I also really like uh, in this training montage we see a lot of. Uh, women who work at the yeah. cotton mill being trained diverse uh, group here there's in... kids there's elderly folks yes there's women and it goes back to what uh Ip man said about wing chun right which is like sex or sex and age don't matter it's your discipline right yeah. um which i i really like that yeah we do see old people learning wing chun we do see kids we do see women we do see you know um kind of a very diverse group here um, uh, and, uh, there is a funny moment in this training montage as well. There's, there's one funny gag <laughs> that I noticed in this movie, um, because this is not a, a particularly comedic film, but, um, there's a, a, a gag in the training montage where the nephew, uh, or not, not nephew, but he calls him uncle Ip, right? That's Quan's kid. Quan's kid. Quan's yeah. kid is, is writing with like a calligraphy pen, like a, one of those pens that you like dip in an inkwell. He's writing and then he has been training Wing Chun. So he like does like a little Wing Chun move um, in the middle of writing his calligraphy. And then it cuts to a reverse shot of the kid who was sitting across the table from him. And he just has ink splattered all over his face. <laughs> Because because uh, Quan's kid has like flicked a bunch of ink off this pen in doing his little Wing Chun move, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, and there's moments where uh, the workers are 
just working in the mill and like passing by each other doing their tasks and they'll stop and drop into a few moves and, and spar really quickly yeah do a little little wing chun break <laughs> yeah those that, that was fun yeah i like that um and i liked how the uh the women are all in like these aprons with these kind of uh these they have like a little handkerchief tied around their yeah. hair. Yeah. And it's very it's very funny uh, and and cute seeing them do these moves and even funnier um later when uh when yes, they actually but... have to fight Jin. Yes. <laughs> um Yeah. So um we we catch back up a little bit with with General Mira. I um he wants to find Ip Man and uh is interrogating Li Zhao about it and mm. It's nice to see Li Zhao get the shit kicked out of them by Sato. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. And Li Zhao is, we're getting the impression that he's had just about enough of this treatment from yeah. these uh, these Japanese occupiers. So, yeah. Uh, Ip is back at his uh, his little uh, shack that he's kind of squatting in. He's playing hide and seek with. I don't know. I don't know if he has multiple. Ch- I mean, the real Ip Man had multiple children. Mm-hmm. I don't know if in this movie he's meant to have multiple children but there's there's just kids around. Yeah. Um but the only one that we really really know anything about is his his son, mm-hmm. his shitty little son. Um and Li Zhao shows up while they're playing hide and seek and tells it man that Mira wants to fight and as soon as he shows up. Yes. This is a really really good moment. Yes. Let's Early, talk about this moment. Yeah. Earlier in the mo- movie we see uh it man's kid and the other kids yeah playing with sticks playing war with sticks yeah they're pretending the the sticks are guns and and shooting at each other with their their fake stick guns and um in this scene it man's kid runs around the corner and he starts hearing him say bang 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 and he kind of backs up and he's making finger guns at someone and and shooting it like it's a gun yeah and then we hear from off camera another voice responding and going bang 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 back at his kid and um as his kid backs around the corner we see general sato crouched down pointing his gun at his at the kid with his finger on the trigger again trigger <laughs> discipline in this movie i think when you're an occupying force uh, in a country that you are trying to uh, uh d- take over and subjugate d- d- trigger discipline goes out the window because <laughs> i think if you just shoot a random kid you can just be like oh yeah you know it's uh, he was he was resisting <laughs> um yeah and he's making bang noises that his kid this is really good this it's is a really good moment it's a really good really tense really scary moment right because he's just pointing a gun at a child and and immediately as soon as Ip man sees this he is like fucking stop pointing that gun at my kid yeah. <laughs> right and pretty quickly here i don't remember if many words are exchanged um oh yeah so sato's basically like hey are you Ip man like we're here to find you and um sato looks up and sees Ip man's wife kind of standing at the top of the stairs and he's he does a very creepy like ooh, very pretty about Ip man's wife and that's really what sets Ip man off like you pointed a gun at my kid and now you're making kind of creepy advances at, uh, on my wife and he just starts beating the fuck out of these japanese soldiers yeah um Sato uh, starts walking up the stairs and Ip slams his head into the stairs. It's like, don't you touch my fucking wife. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's, I mean, it's not a a fight. Really. He just, he just beats the shit out of them enough to get out of there. And none of them, they're all holding guns. 
none of them make any attempt to shoot him seemingly yeah. which is a little confusing but... yeah there's another moment in this movie where i'm like everyone we'll, has guns here we'll talk about it someone yep. should be shooting a gun we'll talk about it but anyway yeah. so he pretty easily dispatches all these japanese soldiers and li Zhao, who is still there is basically like what the fuck did you do y- you have to get out of here you know this is bad yeah. right um but also li Zhao takes the opportunity to get a little revenge on sato who was uh beating the fuck out of him in a previous scene by just stomping on his leg <laughs> And being like, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Um, but later, uh, Sato interrogates Lee again with, with Mira. Um, and beats him a couple times. Uh, it's a pretty short scene. And then we find out that Lee has actually given Ip Man and his family shelter. Yeah. So Lee is now fully on Ip Man's side, right? Where he's like, I'll help you and your family family escape. Yeah. Um. Back to the Jin story arc, which I was I was a little bit out of order with my events here. Yeah, but, it's fine. But you know, um, this is this is the 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 climax of Jin and his gang. They show up at the mill and the you know looking for money. Yep, shaking the place down. And the workers mobilize to fight him, and we get <laughs> we get the women in in their aprons and the, uh, the elderly people. There's Quan's uh, kid showing up, and yeah. There's a funny moment because, like, they they start, like, trying to hassle the factory people. The factory people all get into, like, essentially the Wing Chun, like, fighting stance. And he's like, oh, fucking Wing Chun, like, kick these people's asses. And um, the his, his ruffians all, like, get into the crowd. And, yeah, we see all the factory people fighting them. There's a funny moment with one of the ladies in, like, the, her little head handkerchief where the fight with one of these street toughs starts with a few, like, practiced martial arts movements and then devolves into them just basically slapping each other a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. Uh, I like uh, Quan's kid. I think Quan's kid goes to attack Jin. Mm. and Jin just kicks him in the ribs <laughs> yeah he does <laughs> which um, is good and then Ip, Ip Man shows up Ip Man shows up by his fist entering frame the camera's on a dude's head his fist enters frame and hits the dude's hits the dude in the head and that is how Donnie Yen enters this scene he just clocks a dude in the back of the he head he punches his way into the scene it's, it's very funny <laughs> And 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 uh, the fighting breaks down for a minute here, and and Jin is like, "You ruined my school." Yeah. The chances of me having a school and <laughs> me and my boys were gonna open the raddest place in Foshan. And Donnie Yen's like, "No, I didn't. You still could have opened this fucking school, man. Yeah. Like I would have helped you. Yeah. I know a guy again. <laughs> Why um, are you being such an asshole? Yeah. And, and and Jin talks about like he's been hungry. He's been struggling ever since then, and. It's like everyone's hungry right now. Yeah. I think here here's my thing with the Jin story arc. Yeah. We spend so much time building up Jin in the beginning. Yep. We push him aside for General Mira. We bring Jin back here at the end and kind of build him up again. We build up this confrontation between the workers and Jin's gang to the point where it feels like it's going to be the climax of the movie. Mhm. I think there was a moment here without knowing much about Chinese politics or the history of this, this conflict in particular, there was a moment here for Jin and his team to join up with the workers and join up with it, man. Yep. I completely agree with you. And I think that would have been a nicer way to wrap up this character. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he should have switched sides and, and basically agreed to have Ip man like also train him. 
You I know. think that would be a stronger ending. I agree. I agree. Because the, the end is good, but I feel like this is between because we have this fight and then we have the final confrontation between Ip Man and General Mira. Yeah. I think this one stands out to me more than the fight with General Mira. I completely agree. I think this fun fight is more fun to watch. Um, but yeah, so because what doesn't happen is Jin uh, joins Ip Man's side, instead, they do have a pretty rad fight, yeah. which which we'll talk about now. Yeah, uh, the gang takes out their hand axes, and uh, it's 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 an all all out free for all. Yep. Basically, um, Jin gets this like this like pitchfork this like curved pitchfork that must be used for sorting cotton or something yeah yeah it's some kind of cotton mill tool it man grabs a bamboo stick that's like hanging uh yeah it's like a close rafters like a like a like a like a yeah like a clothesline it's a it's a long bamboo stick too yeah uh, and uh fends him and yuan off like yuan is fighting alongside Jin here against kind of hesitantly yeah against it man but you get the sense that he's trying to prove himself and this this choreography with the bamboo with the really really long bamboo rod that Donnie Yen is using, and then um, Yuan with his hand axe and Jin with this big curved pitchfork, very very fun weapons choreography yeah. here. Just some really really good and creative shit. Yeah, I think I think if I have to pick my three f- candidates for best fight in this movie, it's this, it's. Donnie Yen versus 10 guys. And then the first duel between Donnie Yen and Jin at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. The, the one, the first one between Donnie Yen and Jin at the beginning of the movie is number two for me, just cause I love all that stuff with the feather duster versus the sword. Yeah. Um, the, and it, some of it kind of feels repetitive with this later fight, right? With the bamboo stick versus yeah, the pitchfork. Yeah. But I don't really mind. I think yeah, that's true. I think it's still, uh, I think there's, there's moments here where he's using the bamboo stick to, push them around and, yeah. and control control their bodies. Like their movement. Their yeah. movement. And that is kind of like what he's doing with the feather duster there, but it's True. just a bigger moment here. And, you know, we've seen Ip Man showcase a little bit more violence in the past. It's nice to see him return back to a little bit more of that more peaceful defensive style of martial arts here yeah that's true that's true using using the bamboo defensively more so than attacking wise but donnie yen versus 10 guys is still my number one fight of the movie but yeah yeah this 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 fight does rock though it's so good um and he does he does use the bamboo stick aggressively as well yeah the the fight basically ends with if whacking Jin in the ear well okay before he does that there's such a it, okay. it is so viscerally painful to me it's one of those things in a movie where watching it i was like holy shit ouch because at one point he has like the bamboo stick i think in like Jin's armpit and then he swipes it down this whole side of his body and just fully onto like the arch of his foot like it oh. smacks him on the top of the foot. And I was like, that would hurt so fucking bad <laughs> to have this massive bamboo switch just slam the arch of your foot. I was like, holy fucking shit. Um, it was just such a visceral like, ow, <laughs> moment. And then, yeah, he smacks him in the ear, which also rocks. And there's a really fun, um, obvious but fun sound design thing when he hits him in the ear where you get the ear ringing sound effect and i i thought that was fun yeah. too yeah he, he falls backwards into a bin of cotton and falls mm. out of it and we see he, he gets back up and regains composure we see his eardrums are bleeding and yep. he chases off and he's out of the movie yeah and Jin leaves the movie which he should have this should have been the moment where he was like okay you've bested me twice 
like i want to learn from you but instead that's not what the movie does and it's basically like okay second tier villain gone now back to the main movie yeah that's the thing it's just it, the movie's just switching back and forth between these villains and i uh, there's there's a version of this movie there's a version of this movie that is just the idea of Jin trying to take over this town with martial arts right and there's a version of this movie that is Ip Man fighting in General Mira's fighting club, you know, mm-hmm. fight club. Um, I think both of those would have been stronger. Yeah, I agree. I think that the movie that we have, I think the stronger version of the movie that we have would have been to have Jin come over to the, uh, come over to the other side here. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what happens. He leaves the movie and instead we're back to, we're basically back to, is this when uh, we have the hallway scene with Sato and, uh, and general Miura? Um, this is where Ip talks to Yuan. Oh yeah, and gives him the tin, yep. the tin box that he found right. that Lin had lost. Mm. Uh, tells him that Lin had died, and Yuan is clearly still struggling with his own journey and his own path because he's been wrapped up in this this gang, right? And lost his way a little bit. And there's this really really nice line where Ip tells him like everyone needs to choose the path they'll they'll walk. He hands him the tin box. We open up the tin box, and, and he unfolds the owl kite that's yeah. from the beginning of the movie. And yeah. it's a nice, it's a nice moment. It is a nice, it's a nice sweet moment, especially because we do know like Lynn has been beaten to death, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and and uh, Ip Man tells you on that in the scene. He's like, "Your brother's dead," right? Um, so it is kind of like a very, it's very tragic and sad, heartfelt little moment when he when he unfurls the kite and looks at it. And um, yeah, kind of has to think about his his life and his choices and what kind of man he wants to be. Um, yeah, it's a it's a nice little moment. And I think from here we go to later that night where Mira's soldiers have shown up to the mill and are terrorizing the workers looking for it, man. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Yep. Um, and they like they're pointing guns at the workers and interrogating them, and it man shows up, uh, and 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 it strikes Sato. Yeah, and. Sato pulls out his gun because he just can't resist. He loves to shoot uh, people. <laughs> he's he's basically like, well, he hit me, so I'm going to shoot him. And General Miura is like, no, I want him alive. Let's bring him along, right? Uh, and through the through the interpreter, through Lee, the interpreter, Miura offers Ip the chance to teach the Japanese kung fu. Yeah. And instead, Ip Man's like, no, I want to fight you. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do that. I want you, you and me 1v1. <laughs> And Lee is basically like, he'll think about it, but also he wants to fight you. And Miura seems very intrigued by this. He seems to to be interested in this offer. And this is where uh, Miura and Sato have their, their hallway scene. This they, is the hallway scene. They yeah. debate they debate whether they should kill Ip Man or not. Yes. And Sato is very much just like, let's just fucking blow his brains out. And Miura's like, you don't understand. He has challenged me to a fight. If we just shoot him, that's admitting that I couldn't beat him right Muir is basically like if if we shoot him we're we're admitting weakness right and he's like i have to fight i have to beat him in a fair fight in order for us to prove that we are stronger and better than than them right um and this scene i like the lighting i really like both of these performances i love both of these actors faces they have such good character actor faces i just thought this hallway scene was very nice yeah um this scene didn't stand out to me in particular but Visually, I agree. I think this is one of I I was kind of dogging on the visuals and the lighting, mm. the color palette earlier. I think this one works a little bit better for me. Yeah, 
Um, we should mention just very, very briefly earlier um, when uh, Lee was kind of talking about getting Ip Man and his family out of town. He uh, Ip Man did mention that they were going to go to Hong Kong and that he knows people there. Um, and before he leaves to go um, keep the factory people from being arrested and offer himself up instead, which is the scene we just talked about, he does sort of kind of say goodbye to his family in the night. And we get the impression that he's sending them off to Hong Kong. So um, anyway, so now he's imprisoned. Uh, he's in a cell um, at, at the Japanese uh, headquarters, which, by the way, is his old house. Yeah. We didn't mention that, but the Japanese military headquarters in Foshan is just Ip Man's old mansion. <laughs> um, we get uh, a scene between General Mura and Ip Man where Mura brings him dinner and Ip Man refuses. And they... They talk a little bit. They talk at each other, but uh, Ip Man doesn't speak Japanese and General Miura doesn't speak Chinese. So they, they say things to each other that the other person can't understand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I think is kind of fun. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Ip Man's like, fuck you. You invaded my country and killed my people. I'm not going to work for you. Yeah. Go, fuck, fuck. He doesn't say fuck. But no, know. he's but he's basically like, I'm not going to teach y you and the Japanese army. Uh, um Wing Chun yeah. is basically what he's saying to him. And General Miura doesn't understand it. And General Miura is like, um, I think General Miura, what he says here is like, I don't need you to actually teach the Imperial Army um, Chinese Kung Fu because I think it's better than the Japanese fighting style. He's basically like, I don't actually think you are any better than me. I just respect you as a fellow martial artist. Yeah. Right. And in a few minutes, we get a flashback to this. But it's, it's just a flashback to this scene, really, mm -hmm. where um, Ip says he talks about Chinese martial arts as, as more of a benevolent Confucian form of martial arts and Japanese as a violent one. Right. And therefore, the Japanese don't deserve to learn Chinese right. martial arts. Which this is a very nationalistic, like very uh, Chinese-centric perspective in this movie. That is one of those things that we were talking about before where it's like, you kind of just have to accept this as like one of those action movie nationalism things. <laughs> yeah, but but it's ideologically represented in the characters pretty well, too. True. So, yeah. so you can take it on that on that level, even if it does have that kind of nationalistic tone to it. Right. I'd agree. Yeah. Um, And so from there, we basically are in the final the final tournament here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tournament in the in the main town square. Um, and uh, I like the. Li Zhao is 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 introducing the the fight. He's emceeing the fight or whatever. <laughs> he, Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> he, call, he calls it a, a friendly exchange of knowledge between China and Japan, and the the people the townspeople gathered around outside the arena are like, they're like, "Fuck you, traitor!" Yeah, they're heckling him. They're like, "You fucking collaborator!" <laughs> I hope they fucking shoot you. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> um, I think the pacing of this fight is a lot quicker than the others. Yeah, like like Ip is is more aggressive here. Mm -hmm. Again, he's more violent, but also has a bit more of the the calm and control. Yeah, here. Um. He gets hit. He gets hit twice in this fight. Yes, General Miura is, as we mentioned earlier, the only one who lands any blows on Donnie Yen in this movie. He's going everywhere. <laughs> There's a great moment here where Ip Man like flips him over on his back, and he's and, and he's uh, General Miura's lying on his on his face, and, 
and uh, Ip Man does that super quick flurry of punches to the back of his head. Yeah, yeah. That's got to hurt so bad. Yeah, yeah. There's also a really cool moment here where um, they're on like an elevated stage and um, Donnie Yen starts sort of, he gets backed up to the edge and he sort of starts falling off. Like one foot is off the stage and he uses General Miura's like leverage. He like grabs onto him to like get himself back up um, like onto the fighting platform, which I just thought was cool. It's like a cool thing of him using his opponent's like leverage and body against him. Um, Pretty, pretty cool um yeah but yeah so like you said this fight doesn't go on super long yeah um there's a moment where where kwan shows up with ip's wife yeah because because there's a scene in the truck this is this is the end of her arc right there's a scene in the truck where they're driving away and she's like i never appreciated his martial arts i was such a bad wife blah 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 blah. and now he's in his last fight so we gotta go we gotta go see him which that's so fucking stupid i'm sorry it's 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 like they're trying to do like a rocky ending here yeah where it's like oh she showed up for his last fight and she's there cheering him on but i'm like this is a military occupation by another country that we are at war with if you fucking show up instead of going to hong kong and he wins or loses they're probably gonna shoot or arrest you and like just go to hong kong yeah the fight's like mostly over at this point too and we don't even get uh, we don't even get a, a real moment of like victory or anything because what happens is yeah, um, Ip gets Mira up against a pole mm-hmm. and starts wailing on him, punches his head a bunch. Yep, he slams him into the pole and he slumps to the ground, presumably dead. <laughs> it seems like he is either dead or uh, his brain will be permanently damaged. Um, everyone starts chanting his name, Ip Man, Ip Man, Ip Man, uh, and then fucking Sato takes out his gun because he's gotta he's gotta take out his gun. He just loves shooting people. Shoots. Ip Man, just above the heart, really, yeah. like through the shoulder, like in like the clavicle, the yeah, yeah. And then the crowd, there's like a like a Japanese barrack, like barrack barricades with Japanese soldiers holding holding rifles. Uh, and the crowd storms the barricades. And yeah, I'm like this is a point where I'm like, someone should be shooting guns. Here. Yeah, none of these, none of these Japanese soldiers who are being overwhelmed by this tide of Chinese uh, uh, civilians in Foshan, none of them are shooting guns at the crowd who is like coming to beat their asses. And it is a confusing moment. <laughs> and I think uh, this is this is another one of those moments where my knowledge of first person shooters jumps out. I think the standard issue Japanese rifle at this time was a bolt action rifle. Mm. So you're not going to get off a ton of shots here. But none of them shoot at all. No one shoots <laughs> at all. And I think after a couple people drop, the crowd might calm down a little bit. Right. But they 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 storm the barricades. This yes. is a, this is a huge kind of triumphant moment. Right. They go gather around Ip Man who has fallen off the stage due to his gunshot wound and he's like unconscious on the ground. Yeah. They like go gather around him and and um pick him up. Lee uh wrestles Sato for his gun. Yes. And shoots him in the throat. Yes. Kind of off screen, we, sli- slightly off screen. We, we don't... don't really see it, but it's still kind of a good moment for this pretty despicable character to yeah. to get dispatched. Yeah. Um and then that's kind of where the movie ends. It sort of, we sort of fade out here and mm-hmm. we get ending and concluding text. Yeah. Where it's basically like after uh, after this happens, um, then Ip Man and his family fled to Hong Kong. Um, he was an inspiration for the Chinese people. The war ended in 1945 with the unconditional surrender of the Japanese. And then uh, Ip Man uh, opened up a Wing Chun school in Hong Kong and one of his students was 
uh, martial arts legend and movie star Bruce Lee. Yeah. And that's basically the end of the movie. <laughs> which is which is funny considering there's four more movies and they cover that stuff too. Right. So <laughs> they just... probably didn't know they were getting sequels. Right, right. <laughs> Wilson Yip was uh, was hedging his bets here. He was like, I got to tell him what happened in case we don't get to make any more movies. But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the end of the movie. There's no real moment where we're, we're, we're celebrating with that man because he's basically shot and then flees and has to recover. Yeah, and, and then we that, just oh, like... It's all off screen. Yeah, and then we just see a picture of the actual guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it, man. That's it, man. Um, Justice, yeah. I will turn it over to you. Mm-hmm. Is this the greatest movie ever fucking made? Is it a, the greatest movie ever fucking made? Um, David Ipman from 2008 is a very fun, um, very enjoyable uh, action film. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Kung Fu films or Hong Kong action cinema. I've seen a little bit, but not a ton. Um, so as far as where this ranks in the genre of writ large, I'm like not equipped to answer that question. Right. Um, but in terms of whether it's the greatest movie ever made, I think this movie has a lot going for it. I think the fight sequences are really good. We haven't really talked about it, but I also don't think it requires a ton of conversation. Suffice to say, Donnie Yen is so fucking good in this movie. So good. He's really good in this movie. So charming not, and charismatic. Yeah, not just the fights. He plays the character really well. He's, yeah, so charming, so likable, so charismatic. Has a lot of emotional weight to to him um, in this as well. Um, we talked about some of our problems with the structure, the pacing, um, and also a couple of the characters um, who maybe could have been more fleshed out or given more to do, like the wife and the son, <laughs> right? Um, to make them, uh, you know... Um, stand out in a more positive way <laughs> right um but uh yeah overall i'm very positive on this movie i think it's a fun watch um i think the action is really really good um but i don't think for me this is the greatest movie ever made i think it's a fun movie i think it's worth watching um i think if you're interested in branching out and watching a non-american action film this is a great one to go to you you could definitely do a lot worse than Ip man in terms of action movies um and it's fun and uh i enjoyed it greatly and it's not the greatest movie ever made um david is Ip man the greatest movie ever made justice I hated this. Mo- no, it's it's a good movie. I like the movie. What if you sprung that on me on the last <laughs> in the last minute? And I was like, "Wait, you sounded like you liked some of this stuff." I'm I'm <laughs> so confused. Um, no, I like this movie a lot. Um, the fights are great. Donnie Yen rules. The production design is is stunning throughout the movie. I think the movie looks beautiful in that regard. Even if I have some problems with the cinematography. Um. But I, I think the pacing and the structure really took a bit of a toll on me. Um, it's an hour and 45 minutes that feels a little long for the type of movie that this is. And it's a little bit too stuffed with plot and characters where I think there's a more streamlined version that they could have done here. Um, and jumping back and forth between the different villains, there's a lot of things that I have to be invested in as an audience member that, uh, you know, once, once I feel like things are coming to a head with one storyline, we switch over to another one. And it just didn't work for me on this watch in, in that regard. Um, also the fights are great. I don't know if they ever reach that kind of, of, 
peak for me where I lock into I lock into an action sequence. We both saw John Wick. Yeah. John Wick 4 yeah. in theaters together. And that was my first introduction to to Donnie Yen as a martial artist. Um uh, really doing a lot of martial arts work in the, in that movie compared to something like Rogue One. Um Maybe I maybe this is just a product of me watching this on my couch, but there's I didn't have that kind of moment, those kind of moments that we did when we saw John Wick, where I was just like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" I can't believe they did that. There's a lot of great moves in this movie, a lot of great stuff like that, but nothing that reaches that that zenith for me. So, um, highly recommend this movie. Had a great time with it. But there are enough problems here for me to say that I don't think this is the greatest movie ever made. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Ip Man, an enjoyable, an enjoyable uh, watch, a good action movie. Um, Donnie Yen uh, fucking nails it in this film. But the official opinion of this podcast is that Ip Man is not the greatest movie ever made. I would love for us to talk about more Hong Kong action. Um, I'm glad this was the first one we did. It's it's gotten me reinvigorated in exploring that genre more. So we'll have to we'll have to touch on some John Woo yeah. and Jackie Brown. Uh, Jackie Brown, <laughs> Jackie Chan. <laughs> Jackie Brown is a uh, different film. That's a, a Quentin movie. Tarantino film. Um, <laughs> um, before we wrap up, yeah, Justice, we've done ten episodes of this podcast. We have, yeah. Is ten a milestone for us, or is it like fifty? Is fifty like the first milestone? I guess get? ten is sort of a milestone. I mean, I think ten is really the indicator to our audience that we are really actually doing this and not just fucking around. I feel like you can fuck around to 10 episodes, but after 10 episodes, you like are doing a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> My second question for you. Yeah. Taking, taking the, the conceit of our podcast out of the equation. Yeah. Of these 10 movies. Yeah. Which is your favorite and which is your least favorite? Okay, well, and your and your favorite can be something that you maybe didn't say was the greatest movie ever made. Like it's just your own your own personal opinion. What's your favorite and what's your least favorite? Yeah, yeah, I like I like this question. I like that we're doing this on episode ten. Um, for favorite, it it has to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, our first episode. I can't think of another movie that we have covered in these first ten episodes that that for me reaches the heights that that movie holds in my heart. You know, I love, I loved revisiting Lady Hawk. I loved About Time. I loved Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight Part 2. Um, and I really enjoyed my first go round with A Knight's Tale. But not, nothing in those these first 10 episodes is going to surpass Dennis Hopper dueling <laughs> Leatherface with chainsaws. You know, like it's got to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Least favorite, it's got to be Rambo. I, I That movie did not land particularly well for me. Okay. I, I thought it kind of looked like shit. And also just it made me feel weird and icky watching it. Um, so, yeah. So I'm going to say say the, the top of the heap so far is TCM2 and the bottom is Rambo. I, what about what about you? I thought you might uh, I thought you might throw throw in Prince of Darkness there. Ooh, that, I, I, I did, was I wrong? Did you? Well, OK. Because Prince of Darkness has those ideas in it that you really like. Yeah, but it's not. But I don't think I like it as much as TCM two. Okay, that's I fair. think I think I think it's telling that I didn't even think of Prince of Darkness 
in terms of because i was like okay what are the movies that i hadn't seen before right or hadn't seen in a long time that were really up there for me and then i was like comparing them against tcm2 prince of darkness is a movie that i dearly love and i think is the greatest movie ever made it's not it's not as much fun as tcm2 you yeah. know i love prince of darkness i will consistently revisit prince of darkness but of the movies we've covered so far the one that holds the biggest most special place in my heart the one that i'm gonna buy a t-shirt of <laughs> <laughs> you know i had a KOKLA t-shirt for a while and then i got too fat to keep wearing it but um <clears throat> but uh it's 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 tcm2 okay it's it's dennis hopper uh, it's the fucking cut right chainsaws. Oh my ache and banana. You know, like I love Prince of Darkness, but if if one of them has to take the the crown in these first ten episodes, it's gonna be TCM too. Yeah, that's uh, that's mine too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just a just a perfect movie. Mm. Maybe a perfect movie. Um, love every minute of that fucking thing. Mm. So so happy that a movie like that exists. Yeah. Uh, especially at the time when it came out in the middle of in the middle of the slasher craze we got a slasher that was so inventive creative and wacky yeah you know f- years before scream came out yeah um honorable mention would probably go to knight's tale because the Knight's tale just fucking rocks yeah and i don't feel like i need to need to elaborate on that my it's official just... honorable mention now goes to prince of darkness yeah now I, that i know that that's an option i i should have i should have brought that up at the <laughs> um bottom of the heap is friday the 13th sorry. really below rambo for you sorry damn damn uh if friday... i mean i don't i don't think you're necessarily wrong it's not a good movie if, if friday the 13th ended with alice getting on a 50 cal and obliterating <laughs> mrs Voorhees. Fair. Fair. It might be better. Fair. No, I think I think Rambo is a well-made movie that is very misguided. Yeah. I think Friday the Thirteenth is, is a poorly is made. a poorly yeah. made movie that was misguided. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and entirely cynically motivated. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just I think I'm more susceptible to the charm of that movie than you are. Yeah. You can sit through five minutes of making coffee at the <laughs> fucking climax of the movie. That is it for the tenth episode of the greatest movie ever made podcast. Thank you for joining us as yep. always. Uh, talk about the show. Tell everyone you know about the show. Uh, we love you so much. Thank you to those of you who have stuck with us from the beginning, uh, officially part of our Founders Club, I yeah. think, at this point. Um, we are shifting next week to talk about... This is a first in several regards. It's our first animated film. Uh, I would say arguably our first family film, depending on whether or not you count something like Lady Hawk. Or A Knight's Tale. Or A Knight's yeah. Tale. And our first Western, it is Rango from 2011, directed by Gore Verbinski. Um, oh, it's Gore Verbinski? The, it's Gore Verbinski. the Pirates of the Caribbean and, yeah. and the Ring director, Gore Verbinski? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've never seen this movie, obviously. Yeah, this was my pick. Yeah. I actually watched this like a month ago. <laughs> so um, I have so much to say about it, and I'm excited to pop it back in again and uh, talk about it with you. So make sure you join us for that. And uh, until next time, take care of yourselves, love each other, be kind to each other. It's a dark and scary world out there. Thankfully, we have each other and we have movies of martial artists, Donnie and beating the shit out of people to keep us uh, keep us happy. Yeah. Um, With that. Later, later dipshits.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Greatest Movie Ever Made. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review, and to subscribe to the show wherever you listen. We appreciate you supporting the show and spreading the word. Tell your friends to listen, tell your enemies to listen, tell your mom to listen. If your neighbor has an unsecured Bluetooth speaker, connect to it and play an episode. You can follow us on social media at TGMEM underscore podcast. And if you've got a movie that you want us to talk about, send us an email at thegreatestmoviepodcast at gmail.com.